Hey, you fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 130. 130. One day, I shall come back. Oh, dear. We are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. But the trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. The meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with light. Purple, green, brilliant, yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take bottle tops off of these. Howdy do you, fans. We hope you've had a cracking week. And that you've managed to get on to something, Doctor Who. TV, Big Finish. Or a good old-fashioned book. Ah, books. What are those? What are those things? Oh, those things are pages. Yeah. Lots of words in. Oh, yeah. I love a good book. We do. We love a good book that sits on the shelf, if I put it that way. Yes. Shelf <laughs> decoration. <laughs> so coming up in today's show, we have not much news. A little bit of merch, though. Yeah, I'm quite excited about a certain bit in the merch news when we get to it. Yeah. Mm. And then on to our review of The Dominators. <laughs> you will. The Dominators. Yes. Silence. <laughs> we should be wearing those big hunchback outfits, shouldn't we, while we're doing this? Yeah. Should have, we, haven't, we haven't made the effort this morning. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be Actually, an interesting one to talk to. Weirdly, the, um, we've both got the Doctor Who calendar where you rip off the page each day. Don't mm. um, I don't know, what, what do you call that sort of calendar? I think they're just called desk desk calendars or desktop. Desk calendars. Yeah. So every day you rip it off That's to right. reveal the next uh, date. And uh, have you done yours today? Yes. Because it is. It I was is. Quite, yep. quite freaked out because I ripped off the page and lo and behold, today's one is the Dominators. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's a... That's a coincidence, isn't it? Coinky dink, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, which is very cool. It was, it was the, a bit of it was the Yetis at the weekend, if I remember. That's right, it was Yetis yep. at the weekend. But yeah, I was just a bit like I sort of tore off swords. Oh wow, Dominators. It was a bit of a um what's that in the Android invasion where the doctor goes into the pub and he rips off the date and I think isn't it like the same date every day or something? Oh, when yeah. he realizes yeah. that it's all fake. Yeah, yeah. Sort of had a bit of a moment like that of oh my god, ooh, freak out. <laughs> So yes, Dominators is everywhere today. It's on the pod, it's on the calendar. Yes. Uh, it's everywhere. Quarks are everywhere. Quarks, the walking uh, travel suitcases. <laughs> I can't get that out of my head. I literally, well, like, the whole time I was watching this last night, I just kept thinking of that. I just kept waiting for him to, you know, take the handle out and wheel him away. Wheel him away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it with um, production <laughs> subtitles as well, and there's a bit where one of them falls, falls over just out of shot. Uh, it walks through a door and it says, if you listen, you can just hear a clunk or oh, right, smash. Yeah. And I was thinking of it then, just imagine it being picked up and wheeled away. <laughs> <laughs> the lovely quarks. Uh, the quarks. Did you notice my little quark in my on my Facebook post this week for I the uh, episode? Yes. Yeah. So it took me ages to find him. I was like, right, because I always put the picture up saying, we're doing it this week, we're doing blah, blah, DVD cover, standard. I was like, I must find my little quark to put in the picture. I'm, I'm sure he's around somewhere. God. 
Blimey, it took me ages to find that little guy. Well, it would in your. Uh... <laughs> it would. I was going for all the all the blimmin what are they called eagle moss figures. I was like, oh, the Fisher King, no. Um, Second Doctor, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just like quark. Finally found him. <laughs> I can just imagine a scene where, well, we we can't see you, but we can just see like um, a, a huge uh, cupboard door open, and there's like various things being thrown out. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. loads of just various Doctor Who merchandise being That's all thrown it. out all over the place, and then like, ah, I've got him. That's it. That's exactly what it was like. Yeah, Yeah. Titans all over the floor. Yeah, boxes everywhere. I was like, because I thought I knew where he was. It's that thing, isn't it? You always think you know where you think, or you think you roughly know where these things might be. Um, Yeah, I just couldn't get him, but I did get him. Talking of that, I saw you had a bit of a tidy up on your shelf, didn't you? The weekend. Saw you post a few pics. Yep, my uh, bi monthly uh, dusting and sort out. Yes. Yeah, it looks good with your yes. pops and your, you've got a few Titans as well, haven't you? Yeah, a few Titans on there. Um, it was mainly just um, making room for stuff that's going to be coming up, I think. So yeah. my, my big finish CDs, they were sort of stacked vertically and they were sort of, I was going up, so they were touching like the underside of the shelf above. Mm. Um, and the pops were like going full width across the shelf, but then um, – it sort of obscured the other stuff behind it. So just had to have a bit of a, a who shuffle. And so it's, I got rid of a load of stuff though. So on the bottom part of that bookshelf, I just got loads of other books like movie books and all sorts oh, of stuff. Can go. So yeah, yeah I, I took um, about 20 books, I suppose, to the charity shop, freed up a load of space. So now I've got an additional shelf just for who. So I've got like yeah. books and like a big finish. And so just when I <clears> expand, Hmm. there's a, a tiny little space there space is always a problem isn't it i love the fact that somebody noticed that i've um i've in my photo that i was just talking about the dominators picture that i posted somebody spotted that i've left a gap for doom coalition 4 and i was like yes. wow very eagle-eyed listeners we've got because i've yeah i have i've I've already <laughs> got a little gap ready for it um because that comes out next month i think is it March? it's soon it is March. is it march, march or April? Yeah, yeah it's quite soon so i thought yeah get that <laughs> gap ready like look just like you clearing out loads of stuff and getting ready for it um so yeah a bit of a clear up talking of not making the effort by the way in terms of costume um you did also post some pictures of some of the cosplay gallifrey one and omg some of the cosplay uh, it was gallifrey one wasn't it it was yeah yeah wow yeah oh if any of you guys who went are listening, I'm blown away by the cosplay that I saw on Facebook. Absolutely blown away. And the one that you posted was uh, Alpha Centuri, wasn't it? Which was brilliant. It looked really good, didn't it? Absolutely yeah. good. Um, the one, the the winner for me though, if I was handing out prizes, I don't know if you saw this one, but you probably did. Um, was oh gosh, what are they called? What are the you know the three doctors? You know the big brown blobs with the claws. And the one eye, blah, 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 blah. They were like, oh, what are they called? The three doctors. Yeah, the three doctors. You know, they look like they're made of um, sort of, they look like a giant toffee crisp walking towards you with a claw. Well, somebody was dressed as, uh, the listeners <laughs> know what I'm on about. Somebody was dressed as one of them. <laughs> and uh, they just, I mean, the costume was incredible. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know the things I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, the time and effort some people put into the cosplay it, it's it's weird because the our us friends seem to have well not just us but you know it just seems like the uk is a bit more reserved where it concerns cosplay um 
Well, I think they've gone the extra mile because I think we're we're getting much more into cosplay over here, which is great. But it does tend to be mostly doctors and assistants. That's Whereas they've gone yeah. the extra mile over there, and they? <laughs> they've really gone for it. They've done, like I said, the Alpha Centauri, um, whatever the blob things are called. There'll be people screaming at us now, telling us what they're called. You guys know what I'm on about uh, from the Free Doctors, and and um, who else was there? There was loads of great cosplay, and I just, like you said, they've really, really gone for it. They have, and that's what I was going to say. The um, at the majority of um, uh, events here we do tend to just stick to the doctor's outfits or the companion's outfits. And that's yeah. a lot. I think the best one that I've seen was at the festival. Was that last year or the year before the doctor who festival? And there was a wee lad that was, had a full on proper Davros chair around his oh, wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he looked amazing. And that, that was awesome. But you do see like a lot of events over in, um, especially the US, they do tend to really get into it more, don't they? So they tend to dress mm. up as a lot of the monsters from Who as well. And they also yes. dress up as the TARDIS and also lots of other things. <laughs> so it does it very cool. We're going to have to go to Gallifrey one. Oh, I'd love to. We I'd absolutely to love to. It always seems to me, and I mean, I don't know because obviously we've never been, but it's whenever I see photos from US conventions, especially Gallifrey one, it does seem much more relaxed in terms of the, the celebrities that appear there. So for example, when we go to UK convention, let's take, um, you know, like the London film comic con, for example. Um, so last year, Missy was there, Michelle Gomez, you know, it wasn't, you get sort of get to meet her, but it's, it's so brief. It's like autograph, move on. You don't get to chat to them. Um, I wasn't even allowed to take a photo of her, you know, while I was in the queue, just off her, just there. I wasn't, you know, someone was like, come up and said, no, no photos, none of that. Mm-hmm. And, this, you know, that's what UK convention is like. It's very strict and almost sort of um, takes the joy out of a lot of it um, in terms of that. So there's no selfies at the tables, you know, haven't got time for that, haven't got time for chat. You know, it's just get your autograph and move along very often. Not always, but that, you know, tends to be the way. Yeah. Um, when I see pictures of US conventions, and as I say, I'm only going by what I've seen, so you know um do correct me if i'm wrong here but i see pictures of like people just with you know stood with michelle gomez having a photo in front of the chairs as if she's just walked past and can i get a picture yeah sure you know and and i see that all the time like Mm. i saw people having pictures with michael troughton um and they're not even at the table they always just seem to be as if they're just when they finish signing as if they just walk around meet the fans, have pictures. Um, and as I said, I don't really have anything to base this on other than what I've seen on Facebook and people's photos. But that is definitely the impression I get that it's more, a bit more relaxed out there. You know, um, and yeah. as I said, I would love it if, if we've got some listeners that have attended Gallifrey One or attended a US convention. I'd love to know if I'm right. Because that's that's certainly the impression we get over here. It just seems so much more chilled. There's none of this regimental stuff that we have in the uk where it you know you do get to meet them but i mean mm-hmm. i think even you know when when we went to london film comic con last year we met paul mccann absolutely lovely bloke and he was great to chat to and he did he was very engaging he you, was, because yeah. there was a queue and stuff you did get the impression it's, it's more the people that are with them i think in the uk they sort of move, hurry you along don't they they're sort of um they do you know they do the sort of dirty work for them if you like they're sort of like okay yeah uh, yeah, yeah sorry guys got to keep it so yeah i always just feel like it's a bit pressured over here in the uk that's why i'd love to go to u.s convention for for the cosplay and just to experience what it's like over there we'll make it happen 
Yeah, yeah, it's got to happen. We'll do it. There's another one. Somebody popped up on Twitter and said, oh, you should come to, uh, which one was it? I, th- I think it was in Chicago. I think it's yeah, called, yeah. There's really, it's gone out of my head what that one's called, but that's a sizable Doctor Who one as well in Chicago. We should um, look at that as well. But there was another pick that somebody put on. Oh, it was um, uh, Adam the Whovian on Twitter put on a pick of uh, Sutek and the Mummies. Oh, yes. And that yeah, looks yeah. spot on. Amazing. Absol- like literally screen, pretty much screen accurate, bang on cosplay. Yeah. It's um, so good. Yeah. The, the creature I was trying to think of, by the way, I have Googled it while we've been chatting. It is, of course, the Gelgard. Oh, the get- Yeah, type in the Three Doctors Gelgard, Gary, and I just look mean. at it. It is so. Yeah, but the, again, the cosplay for it was absolutely spot on. It was so good. God knows yeah. what they made it out of. They look like Probably walking. Probably a Crisp. <laughs> they look like walking boils, don't they? They're just like orangey <laughs> just brownie. Like this one claw, That's well, it. aren't they? Yeah. One big sort of like snappy claw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Gelgard. That's it. Couldn't think what they were. Um, talking to conventions though uh, keeping our eye on conventions um, we often moan about that we don't get any of the new series people over here as well it's another frustrating thing in the UK is that a lot of the new series guys only do US conventions Um, but we are starting to get a little taste of uh, the Mm -hmm. new series over here because John Barrowman's doing a couple and uh, there's been a lot of reaction to the fact that Billy Piper was announced uh, for a couple of UK conventions um, only a couple of days ago, although it'll probably be a week by the time this goes out. But, yeah, she's just been announced for MCM Birmingham and Liverpool, I think. I think I'm right in saying that. Um, but, yeah, she's definitely been announced for a couple. And, yeah, people have gone mad over it, understandably. And it's great to see her doing that because, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think she's done a UK convention for quite quite a while, has she? I don't think so. No, not in... Well, no, it's been a while since she's done a UK one, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's really great to see, you know, a few new series people doing some UK stuff over here. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it'll be the start of um, more doing it. You know, I'd love to see Matt and David do it. We said that a few times. But yeah, it's good to see some new series people doing it. Um, Because Billy's been in that... What's that play that I can't pronounce? Yerma, Yerma, something like that. Something like that. (laughs) Something like that. And um, yeah, she's been in that for a while and she's coming back to do it again um and i know a lot of people met her at the stage door mm. the first time around she's very very nice I have to say i was lucky enough to meet her at the stage door very very nice so yeah, yeah good to see billy billy coming over to do a bit cool yeah cool yeah so yeah i don't know if i'll get to any of those though i've never been to an mcm convention have you i've been to one yeah the london one that's going back a few years now though okay is um, it very similar to the showmaster stuff or is it yeah yeah it's pretty much the same yeah. Same same affair. It's um, loads of guests signing stuff, and then they got stalls and pick up your collectibles and overpriced posters and t-shirts and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. much the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, I haven't haven't looked to see how much Billy's auto and photo is yet. Um, in fact, I don't know if they've even announced it yet because that is the only thing, isn't it? So it's, it's all good getting these people <laughs> as long as the prices aren't silly. Because I I did have a bit of a moan about Barrowman charging. 45 for an autograph and 55 for a photo the other week. I thought that was a little bit steep. Yes. Um, I've got a feeling Billy might be the same. I don't know. Probably. she's. She'll probably be up there, won't she? She's billed. As quite, yeah. They're not yeah, announced I, yet, but she's, she no. will be up there. Yeah. yeah. I think Daphne Ashbrook's there as well. Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah. Daphne. Daphne. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to be there as well. Yeah. yeah. Be great to, if Paul was announced, wouldn't it? To get, I'd love to get a picture with Paul 
and Daphne together. That'd be fantastic. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The two of them. Yeah. Talking of conventions further, <laughs> you, um, uh, you told me, I think last week that, um, uh, Peter Davison was going to be at the Westminster, uh, is it film fair, London film fair? That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm so gutted that I can't make that one cause I'm not going to be here, but, um, I did find a cool little, uh, convention up, um, in not up sorry down in surrey somewhere later on in the year all oh, right and that is called something mm-hmm. that is called something and it's in epsom in surrey and it's got um i think it's got colin baker peter davison uh sylvester mccoy somebody else and a few other people it's called who oh it's who at the playhouse oh right at the epsom playhouse and um yeah it's uh i think it's in October or November. I think it's October. Um, I'd never heard of this one before, but apparently no, it's been going for a little while. All oh, right. So that's that's potentially a uh, a book up that one. So that's yeah. So Colin Baker, uh, Peter Davison, John Leeson, um, and a load of other people. Uh, October first of October. Get it in your diary, Gary, because yeah, you're. Awesome little face dropped something <laughs> when we when we finished recording because i for anyone that listened to last week's podcast gary got very excited when i told him about this um westminster thing and then we carried on talking about it after we finished recording and he's he suddenly his face dropped and i went what's the matter and you you realize that you can't go didn't you you're like yeah. oh no you're like the date suddenly like <laughs> like an alarm and things like oh no it's on that weekend oh for goodness sake you were really gutted so yeah it's good that you found another one it was a bit like watching adric's death scene in Earthshock, where <laughs> you can tell it's about to explode onto the surface of the planet and his little face is just just dropped just drops yeah he's like oh I guess I'll never figure out the answer after all or something <laughs> it was like that it was like oh I guess you did I might be... genuinely yeah. gutted yeah so I am gutted. The only reason is because I really want to meet Davison. I have yeah, yeah. yet to meet him because he's very, he's not as active on the convention scene in the UK, mm. um, especially in London. He sort of shies away from the big London ones and stuff. So he seems to, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. So you have to catch him at these smaller ones when he's there. So, but I think this one, um, it's called Who's at the Playhouse at the Epsom Playhouse in Surrey. So that might be a cool one to, uh, to get along to. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I, I wonder what the reason is for that. Like, he, he hasn't done a Showmasters one for ages, Peter Davison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I met him with one in Milton Keynes whoa, years ago, mm. um, and I, I haven't seen him do one of those for ages. It it just makes me wonder, how can how can a really small convention like London, well, not small, but small in compared to Showmasters, I mean, how can they get him? But London Film Comic Con can't, or, or is it a case that he doesn't want to do them? Or is it a case that they haven't asked him? You know, I just, I'm just really intrigued. Like, you know, not, I'm not belittling Westminster Film Fair, by the way, but, you know, they are, compared to London Film and Comic Con, they're very small and intimate. So yeah. I just, it just intrigues me how these things work. Like, you know. I think with the older guys, the classic Who guys, I think it's more down to whether they want to do it or not because they're probably it not charging be. as much as, like, somebody like... Billy Piper or David Tennant would. Um, yeah. But I know that, because um, Davison, he is doing a load of conventions this year. Lots of them. And the only one that he's doing in London is the one that we mentioned, the um, the London Film Con in Westminster. Yeah. Uh, all the others, um, uh, there's one, 
uh, Cleetthorpes. Um, there's the uh, City Hall Salisbury. There's York and Wrighton on Dunsmore. <laughs> and uh, and that's it. And there needs to win a bunch of American ones. Oh, the, the one we didn't know the name of earlier was uh, Chicago Tardis. Oh, yeah, that's it. And that, um, yeah. Davison's actually going to be at that one. So Is I, he? I think it's just he doesn't like going to the really big London ones because, mm. um, oh, Chicago Tardis, by the way, Davison, Baker and McCoy. Oh, superb. Oh, nice one. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I don't know if you've got this book, this bit in his book yet, where he talks about conventions. There's a whole chapter about conventions. Not yet. Have you got no. to that? Okay, I won't say no. anything. But okay, there's a, there's quite a cool little list actually um, that he says he's got ten things that he really likes about conventions, mm-hmm. and ten things that he doesn't. Oh, great! And, oh, cool. I haven't got to that yet. Yeah, and I think if you if once you've read the ten things that he doesn't like, that will probably explain why he doesn't do the really big, busy ones ah, in London. Interesting. Anyway. Okay, yes. you yeah. can say if you want. I don't. I don't mind if you want to. Uh, I'm up for spoilers because well, the listeners will be. I won't spoil it too much, but one of the things in the thing, I'll have to remember now, but one of the things that Mm -hmm. he doesn't like, and this is a bit controversial, is that he doesn't like people in Tom Baker scarves. Ah, oh my God, because I often wear my Tom Baker scarf as well. (gasps) He doesn't, he's not a fan of that. Really? Yeah, because if, once you read through that whole area, the book Mm -hmm. around conventions, let's just say that there was quite a bit of animosity between him and Tom, not well, him, some of the other doctors, and Tom mm. Baker. Right, right. Let's just okay. say that Tom Baker was never, never viewed fondly by the other actors at conventions. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, he's not a fan when people rush up, which is a real shame for him because the majority of Doctor Who cosplayers are, they've got the scarf and they've got yeah. you know the hat. So yes. So many, yeah. I was just thinking, every convention we go to, so many people where the, I mean, me included. I often think, oh, what can I? Because I don't really go the full hog on cosplay, but I'm like, what can I wear that, you know, lets people know that I'm a Doctor Who fan? <laughs> 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 and it's the scarf, isn't it? It's like, oh yeah, good old fourth Doctor scarf. Come on, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's good to know. I'll have to. I'm just trying to think if I had it on last time I met him. I don't think I did actually, or did I? <laughs> Making me think now. I don't think I did, but uh, I might have done because I do often just wear it. Yeah, so Davison, eh? Oh, Davison. Yes, yeah, so. he's, he's probably doing more because he's probably been going around the country buying up all his all his autobiographies from the workshop <laughs> for six pounds. Every time I go in there, I'm like, oh, they've got his book now. Um, so yeah, he's probably got a few copies of that he needs to get get flogged and signed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Colin Baker is always at the every single convention. Can you imagine his calendar on his wall? It must just have like like every single day must have something on it. <laughs> hey, Colin. Yeah, Colin. Yeah. Yeah, he's all over the place, be, isn't he? You probably can't read it for. He's probably got about three dates on each day or something. Yeah, he's at everything, Colin. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, a busy man. He is. Um, for those of you that don't know about this website, it's really good. It's updated regularly. There's a website that um, gives you the lowdown on all the appearances from actors from who. Mm. and what conventions are at. So if you go to doctorwhoappearances.blogspot.co.uk, you'll be able to see where all the actors are going to be. And Colin's list is huge. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so uh, if you're you're after... And they've got Billy Piper on there. It's got basically a bunch of actors who are on the convention scene, and they will tell you where they are going to be. 
Um, Samuel Anderson, old Danny Pink. Oh, yeah. Yep. Geekster convention. Geekster yeah. pie convention. He's only doing one this year, oh. which is the German Comic-Con in Munich. <laughs> and that's your lot from old Danny. That's your lot. Maybe because, yeah. Yeah. People might ask him, so when you were doing your scenes with Clara, had you just woken up? <laughs> or is this hangover? Is it the, the morning after, the night before? Or is it you just, yeah. Anyway. We love a good, a good convention. We do. And that is a good site, actually. Uh, I must echo that. I go on there quite a lot. Um, yeah, it's really good. Because I, I don't know about you, but I tend to check the same sites now and again. Like, you know, I'll always look at Showmasters, see how that, who's been added to that. And then every now and again, I think, oh, I'll check that actor's appearances one. Because it, it lists everything. So that sometimes there's conventions like that one you mentioned just now which I've never heard of, so I wouldn't yeah. think to, to sort of find it, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, it's a really good site, that one, for, for finding out who's who's at what. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, it's a tortured one I didn't know about, just before we move on. Oh, uh, is that Heathrow? Uh, is that one of the... Yeah. Where is it? Is it a... It's called Miracle Day. That's it, Miracle Day. I saw that, yes. yeah. And it's uh, at Heathrow. Oh, it is Heathrow, yeah. Yep, Eve Miles, Gareth Lloyd. Uh, Faddy's there from class, strangely enough. Is he? Yeah. What's he doing there? don't know. Uh, but yeah, that might be cool if Barrowman was there. But... Yeah, so I think if you're going to have a torture convention, really, you've got, you got to have Barrowman, haven't you? Yeah. Um, I've not met that many of the tortured guys, actually. I've met Bar- Barrowman once. Um, I've met... Uh, no, just Barrowman, is it? I thought I'd met somebody else. I've not met many of the tortured guys. I'd like to. I'd like to meet Burn. I'd love to meet um, Eve Miles. Because I think um, she often, you know, forgive me for saying this, because it might just be that she's very bubbly, but she often appears <laughs> a little drunk. <laughs> or I think, let's put it this way, I think her and the other guys get on very well. So they're often very yes, bubbly yes. at conventions. So I'd like to meet her. Yeah. Yes. And I think we'll top the, um, the bubbliness that I saw the night before Day of the Doctors, though, over <laughs> in Slough, mate. That was... Just very quickly, for those that don't know, I um, was in the, the Chinese restaurant at the Copthorne, is it, in Slough, yeah. the day, the night before the Day of the Doctors event, which is run by... Tenth Planet. Tenth Planet, that's the one. And uh, there was the there was a guy that starred in Genesis of the Daleks. There was another guy that was in Pyramids of Mars. There's about four of them, classic guys, and I can't remember the names of them. And, uh, yeah, they went through, like, three bottles of wine... Um, nine or ten pints another bottle of wine and they were complete they were gone yeah and they looked green the next day <laughs> they really did yeah those guys those are the classic guys you see they're, they're from the days when they had the bbc bar exactly so they're hardcore they can handle it yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been up to much else buddy no, no i haven't mate no it's been all work and no play Yes. with me unfortunately i haven't been up to much else at all no what about you have you been up to much uh no not really i did get a bunch of viewing in um obviously the dominators um i watched um uh turn left and stolen earth because that was on uh the, the w channel watch oh yeah yeah that was quite cool when you're just flicking through like oh doctor who's on mm. um, i watched the tv movie as well and i watched that on i think it was saturday night Friday or Saturday night, because my wife had picked a film, um, which was the the latest Ghostbusters movie, because she really likes that. So she was like, let's watch that. I was like, okay, well, I can pick one afterwards. And she was like, okay. 
So when it came to me, I was like, right, we're going to watch the TV movie. And mate, she lasted about 18 minutes. Oh. And she was gone. Oh, really? She was gone, mate. Yeah. And I think. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. McGann's not even into, in it by that point, is he? No, she was like. Oh. And, and I'm sure that people listening who are who have gone through this with friends or people who have watched it, it sound very familiar, but she, she said, why, why is it sort of old school Americanized? It feels like it was out when the next generation, you know, that era yeah. of like really bad, cheesy American TV. I said, well, it was made by an American company. I said it was, you know, this was their attempt to sort of get it out into the, into the Hooniverse so that they could springboard off of that into a new series. but And she was like, but it's not Doctor Who, though, is it? And I said, well, it is Doctor Who, because mm. it's canon. It's all, it is it's canon. all official. Don't worry, it's all there. She's like, no, this doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right at all. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, it just gave her a really, really creeped out feeling because she was so used to, you know, the the... Well, basically anything that's not the TV movie that's not Americanized, mm. and but she was like, but it, it just doesn't work. This this doesn't feel like Doctor Who. It doesn't work at all. It's, uh, it definitely does. I mean, it does have a different feel to it. Yes, and I said, look, I know it's different, but you just <laughs> have to sort of go with it. It does, you know, it does get better. Mm. And Paul McGann is amazing as the Doctor. So just wait. And she was like, mm. so I think she sat down for another couple of minutes, and then she was like, no, I can't do it. This doesn't. She said it feels like I need to go and have a shower. I need to go and have a bath because I feel like my experience of watching Doctor Who thus far has now been tainted. You oh, know, no. and she really had a problem with it, mate. So I watched it. So she was like, I'm going. I was like, okay, bye. So I watched it. Um, and that was it. But I also did a live stream as well last week. That was cool to do. That was great. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you look out on Facebook or Twitter, whatever, I'll stick out when we're doing it next time. Um, and that's something else that we're going to have to sort out to do together. Is the live? I, I love doing the live streams. They're good, really good fun. Yeah, I love chatting to our our listeners. And well, uh, you know, while we're doing it, it's really good to to be a bit more interactive. Yeah, yeah, it was great fun. So thank you for those of you that jumped on that. And um, I watched through Rose because it was Chris Eccleston's birthday. That's right. Yeah, so, I was trying to think which episode it was. Yeah. Why? Why is the TV movie so divisive? You know, I never realised that so many people were because you know I was with Matt and Liv from the Who Addicts um, the other week. They uh, well. I was going to say they hate it. Liv hates it. Mm. Um, and I think Matthew thinks it's okay. I might be wrong. I don't think he, I don't think he hates it like Liv does, but I've always really liked it. Um, or at least there are, there are a lot of bits in there that I like, if that makes sense. You know, I love like Sylv's costume in it. I love the beginning, how it's so easy. You know, he's in the cons, the console and I love the TARDIS sets. And, you know, there's so much in the movie that I really, really like. Um, so I'm always a bit surprised when someone gets a reaction like your wife or. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's. It just, no, they just don't. It's not, it's not part of the universe. You know, they don't consider it part of Doctor Who. I find it really strange because I think there's, well, not strange, but it's like, I don't get that. I get why there are bits that people don't like, but I think there's some really good stuff in the movie. Some Overall, I really yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't say that it's who's, you know, it's who's finest hour. Mm. let's not go that far but it's a i really like it it's um i think we've you just reviewed have, it haven't we yeah yeah we i think you just it. have to appreciate it for what it was at the time i don't mm. you know if you try and sort of make it more than what it is it's just a 
it literally is that it's a tv movie it, you know it's not a huge production thing that they put out in the cinema and everything it's just a straight to tv thing it's never isn't it was never going to set the world on fire but there are like you say there are some great stuff to like in there yeah i think so yeah so i mean paul mcgann as we know is absolutely brilliant and he's gone on you know to be even better in big finish and so on but there are some cool stuff like yeah like the tardis is beautifully designed the the console and and it's i don't know it's and mccoy's actually pretty good McCoy's good. I was going to say, even Eric Roberts, even though he's being way <laughs> over the top, I kind of like it in a sort of camp, enjoyable way. I don't know, even that he's so over the top in it, but I quite enjoy it. Uh, yeah, um, I'm just yeah. looking back to see, because, yeah, we did review it way back in episode 47. Um, I seem to remember we both were really favourable about it. So if anyone wants to hear that, episode 47. And then we interviewed Dash- Daphne. <laughs> Why do we always say Daphne? Daphne Ashbrook. <laughs> Um, not long after, I think. Because oh, no, I seem yeah. to remember telling we were both saying, "Oh, we really liked it," and yeah, yeah. So yeah, we gave but, it a seven and an eight at the time. Yeah. So we use a seven. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a reasonable score for the movie. It's, mm. but I, the thing is, though, I do understand why people sort of shy away from it and the reasons yeah. why they're not a fan of it. But yeah, the missus, no, she went right the other way. She was like, "I'm not having this." This is not Doctor Who. I wish you'd stayed this in a bit, McGann, though. Although it takes, again, it takes him a while to actually get, he, he spends a lot of time walking around the hospital and mm-hmm. shouting to the air and <laughs> and all that <laughs> before he actually sort of, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of regeregeneration uh, stuff going on for a bit, isn't there? Yes, it does yeah. take a bit. So, yeah, a it would have been while. good if she'd have come back after about 45 minutes, maybe, when he's in his costume in the TARDIS and <laughs> yeah. all that, yeah. And it's sort of, it, and it does end in a way that you do feel like you want to watch more McGann on TV as well, because yeah, you know that final scene where he says goodbye to to Grace and she go, they go their separate ways, and you kind of think, well, this is good. This would this would be a good. You can see where they were going with it, where they wanted to do another series. Mm. Yeah, you know, with McGann, and you do. I, I for me anyway, I do finish watching the TV movie and think. I would really love to have seen what they would have done with him as the Doctor. I know Big Finish has sort of filled the gap a little bit, but it would have been good mm. to see um, some more TV, McGann. Oh, I'd, yeah. definitely. Yeah, because I, I love that end scene where he's like, come with me. And she's like, no, you come with me. And he's like, me, come with you. And I like, <laughs> you can see that there's a, there's a good chemistry between the two of them. Yeah. and uh, Or even the three of them, if you like. Um but uh, yeah, I, I I definitely would. I think it would have been very much like the TV movie in that it, there would have been, if they'd had a full series, there'd have been, I think, some really cool sort of stuff that in there, but it probably wouldn't have worked overall. Do you know what I mean? I think it would have just, yeah, that's how I imagined it. I imagine that I would like it, but I wouldn't consider it Doctor Who's best sort of thing. No, it's not. That's that's how I yeah. imagined it would have gone. But so it, will, it would have been interesting. I mean, I always think, I always think it, even when Doctor Who's not on top form, there's always stuff in there to enjoy. Um, as we'll find out possibly later when we review the Dominators, there's always stuff, you know, even if a Doctor Who story is not, not always the best or regarded as the best, there's generally something in there to, to, to enjoy, isn't there? So, yeah. yeah, there is. But we'll, we'll never know. We'll never know how that would have gone. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. But I do think Paul would have, I reckon Paul would have, um, he wanted his Doctor to be like, Eccleston's didn't he I reckon he might have got his way I, I think he'd have said I'll do the series but the wig's coming off 
and the costume's being toned down <laughs> and then we can do it. I love that. The wig's coming off. Yeah. I never realised that was a wig for years because obviously I was quite young when the movie went out. Uh, I didn't realise he was wearing that wig because he shaved his head pretty much, didn't he? And the producer was like, oh my God, what have you done? Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> in the special features, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, we've done a little mini review of the TV movie there. Okay. If you haven't yeah. seen it in a while because you hated it, just give it a sneaky watch. You might. I really want to know why Liv hates it so much because, yeah, I should have. I'll have to. If you're listening, Liv, I think Liv does listen every week, actually. Um, yeah, we'll have to have a chat sometime. Perhaps, uh, perhaps me and Liv and Gary and your wife, we can all sit down over a pint and discuss the TV movie. <laughs> Imagine it turning into a ruckus we'll, by about the fifth pint. Uh, it'll kick it off bottles flying yeah yeah Yeah. ah the tv right let's crack on otherwise we're going to get into a full-blown review of yeah everything we haven't got any news we haven't it is quite light nothing Um, at all nothing at all but we have got a couple of wee bits of uh of merch shall we get the shall we get the daleks in Mm, get them in merch corner Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Spin-offs. Mmm. Doctor Who spin-offs. Um, those of you that are a fan of spin-off shows, the um, we've spoken about a few of them briefly before. Um, mainly the, um, you know, the the Brigadier. What's the Lethbridge Stewart spin-off that was quite popular? It's been out for a while now. Lethbridge uh, Stewart. Is it Lethbridge Stewart that's in it? Or am I wrong there? There's, there's a, a spin-off that's been out for a while. A few years now. Or even well, the da- Downtime. Downtime? Downtime. Um, the Brigadier's in that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. They did, they, they did, yeah, he's in one of them, I think. I don't know if that's what you're referring yeah. to, yeah. Yes, um, and we've also spoken about the commentaries that they've sold to go along with various official Doctor Who programmes. So um, there is a little community around spin-offs. Um, and there was one that was, uh, was this the very first spin-off? Yeah, so I think, so this is sort of when, this is when Doctor Who, I assume, had gone off the air. I don't know when this originally came out, but... Um, when Doctor Who was off air, these little nuggets, if you like, appeared um, now and again. So we had like uh, downtime. Um, what's that one with Ace in it? Mind game, I think Mind it's go- called. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and things like that. So they were connected to Doctor Who, but obviously they couldn't really use, um, or they couldn't always use like the characters' real names. Sometimes they could, sometimes they couldn't because of copyright. So sometimes they had to get round it in cleverly <laughs> written ways. <laughs> um, I think Ace is called the human in Mind Game. Um, they sort of get around it like that and stuff. So all these little sort of, I wouldn't call them, would you call them unofficial spin-offs or fan-made spin-off, independent, independent spin-offs? Yes. Sort of appeared um, in the 90s, I guess. It would have been, yes. would it? Yeah. I would say so, the early 90s, yeah. Mm. Mid-90s. But the first one that we know of, anyway, was called The Wartime Chronicles. Mm. And this was starring your best friend, <laughs> um, John Levine, uh, yes. reprising his role as Sergeant Benton. <laughs> I'm doing that to him, by the way, not to you. <laughs> and uh, Yes, and this has been re 
re-released. Yeah. As a sort of collector's edition, um, a two-disc collector's edition, no less. Um, and it's uh, the story roughly is um, uh, uh, Sergeant Benton uh, is doing a delivery run, apparently, for the brig. Um, and he finds himself um, near his childhood home. Uh, where ghosts from his past have never rested easily. So he's trapped in a nightmare world where past and present seem as one. Uh, but will he make his way back to reality where he is desperately needed? So it is definitely a, a Sergeant Benton story. Um, mm. And it, you would be fooled in thinking that it's an independent, sorry, it's independent of Doctor Who because it doesn't have any branding for Doctor Who. Mm. All it does is mention, just very briefly, from the world of BBC TV's Doctor Who. Yeah. And that's your lot. But they have managed to use his name, though. His character name, which is good. Um, we have a trailer. Yes, we do. I'm going to play it right now. Trouble, sir? If there was going to be trouble, Willis, this is a spot I'd choose. No bloody cobra, man! No! No! You're dead. You died years ago. It's a game. And it's not over yet. <laughs> there you are. Wow. There you go. Yes. Uh, wartime starring John Levine. Um, now, I can't say that I'm hugely excited for this one. Yeah, if you can imagine today, in today's world, if you went out into the forest and just had a bit of a lark around filming stuff on your iPhone, this would roughly be what the result of that, you know, it, it's that kind of thing. It's, uh, but I, I'm, I'm surprised to see it getting a reissue so soon because I this came out, I'm pretty sure it was last year. Um, it, yeah, I'm sure it was last year because I have got it. Um, when, when I saw this, you know, being on our news sheet for today, I was like, really, is that coming out again? So I quickly went upstairs to check and yeah, it is the same thing. Um, <laughs> so I have got it. I have watched it. Mm, don't really remember a lot about it. Um, and I'll be honest with you from what I do remember, it wasn't great. Um, it was a easy enough watch. Um, but does it warrant a special edition DVD? Uh, so soon i don't know i mean to be honest with you the only thing that does intrigue me about this is that it says it includes a wartime reunited um so <laughs> presumably they're going to get all the characters back together although this did star michael wisher um davros mm. himself who's of course no longer with us so that's a shame but yeah so it's quite it's quite interesting from that point of view because you get to see michael wisher um you know as he is in human form uh it's got john pert we live on stage it says as an extra which uh, wasn't on the original um and it's got an introduction by katie manning which i don't think is on the original so there's maybe a couple of little bits on the new extras worth getting but uh, i don't remember it being a particularly good um a particularly good story if you like yeah, uh, yeah and the acting in it was yeah a bit a bit Go naff. On, don't dress it up go on no yeah well it's yeah i just don't remember being particularly impressed with it um even as but then again like i said i suppose it's the first spin-off so yeah but 
I don't know. I probably won't pick it up again myself, but if you haven't already got it, um, maybe get it. I, I should imagine it's not particularly expensive, is it? It's fourteen ninety nine. Oh, I was thinking it'd be nine ninety nine. Um, yes. Yeah, and it's released on the sixth of March. If you want to pre-order it, you can pre-order it from Amazon. Yeah, it's a, a full-on, proper, legit release. Mm. So, yeah, if you're into Sergeant Benton, then knock yourself out. Yeah, they're hit and miss, those things, aren't they? Mm. Uh, Koch Media, isn't it, that, that have uh, That's right. re-released a lot of these these ones. I know people do pick them up because they're connected with Doctor Who, and um, even ones like this, a bit like I was saying earlier, you know, they always have something which is quite interesting, even if it's not always that good. There's, I seem to remember on the making of on, on the original, it was quite fun to watch uh, John just messing about in between takes and, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. So there's always something to enjoy on these things, even if perhaps the the dramas themselves are not that good, mm-hmm. if you like. Hmm. So, yeah. Right. Um, other news. I'm, something I am very excited about. Uh, Robert Harrop, we, me and Gary both love the Robert Harrop stuff. Um, I've been sort of really looking forward to seeing what they're going to come out with this year because I assumed we'd have some new figures on the way. Mm-hmm. And they have been a bit quiet of late, haven't they? they have. I was getting yes. a bit worried. I was like, Ooh. Anyway, they've finally announced, uh, they've given us a list of planned figures. So we've only got the sculpt image for one so far, but they've given us the list of ones that they're planning to do, uh, which includes uh, the second Doctor, Patrick Troughton, the Master, which is the one that we've got pictures of, which is the uh, deadly assassin master. So he's like the the crispy skeleton master with the sash. Um, he looks very good, actually, yes. from the photo. Yep. So they've already got that one down. Uh, How do you say it? Hemovores? Hemovores? Hemovores. 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 Hemovores from yeah, the Castle of Fenric. That's it. Yep. Uh, the one that I'm really excited about, Tetraps. Yay. They're going to be doing Tetraps. I'll be buying that for sure. <laughs> Here's one for you, Gary. Alpha Centauri. Come on. Doing an Alpha Centauri. I'll, I'll get that as well, actually. Yes. Um, Draconian, that'll be good. Yep. Axons, uh, Demon, is that, that'll be the devil guy, won't it? Yes. I assume, because yep. I got a bit excited. I was thinking, oh, I was thinking that meant Bok for no, when I first, I would no. love them to do Bok, but no, Demon, which is good. And finally, they're going to do K9. K9. Well, which would be great to see how they do K9. So for me, there's quite a lot on there that I'm really, <laughs> really excited about. And I'm not going to miss out on these like I have the other ones. I don't I don't care if my credit card blows up in the process <laughs> of being used. I am not missing out on some of these. So for me, Gary, Tetrap, Alpha Centauri, K9, um, and Hemovores, probably. Yes. What about you? Um, yes, I'm excited. I think um, so. The master looks quite good. That's the one that's just been that completed. Does look good as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So that will be up for sale, I imagine, pretty soon. The next one that's nearing sort of the the initial sculpt that's going to be done is Alpha Centauri. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm not too. I'm not getting excited about Patrick Troughton because, as we know, unfortunately, with the Robert Harrop stuff, the monsters look fantastic, but the actors like they do a David Tennant one and they do a fourth doctor and third doctor yeah, don't they and they, they don't don't know right no they're not great at face sculpts but they are you know above and beyond you know some of the best in terms of um monsters and and all that stuff so mm-hmm. um yeah so i'm not getting too excited about trouton unless it turns out to be you know they've upped their game in that respect but 
similar to you, the Hemovores, Tetraps, and Alpha Centauri, um, and K9 for me. Yeah, yeah, really looking forward to the K9 one. That'd be yeah. good. Yeah. So, so yeah, looking forward to seeing some more scopes. I'm really pleased that the next one that we'll probably get to see is Alpha Centuri because it says in brackets <laughs> nearing sculpt sculptural completion. Um, so we should get some images of him soon. Yeah, uh, which should be great. But this master one they've got looks good. Um, and they've set up a new Facebook page as well, um, which presumably is going to um, be where they're going to be posting the pictures of any new sculpts they get coming out. So. I should be keeping a very keen eye on that. Yeah. I just hope they're not too expensive because they're they're normally fairly reasonable, I would say, Robert Harris stuff. I mean, it's not cheap, but I, I always feel that they're, for what you get, I always feel, feel they're quite good for the money, if that makes sense. And they're, yeah. they're never normally yeah. cheap, but I don't think they're, I think they're quite reasonable for the quality of, of the actual product. So, because they're all hand-painted, aren't they? They I think. are, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to some of these. Yeah. And that was a good point, actually. They have a, a, a Facebook page currently, but they've sort of ditched that now and they've set up a new one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't know if they've ditched it completely, but certainly for these newer figures, there's they've got a new page. So make sure you find the correct page. And you'll know it's the current Facebook page because it have pictures on of the new master figure. Yeah. Yes. So Robert Harrop, get into that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's going to do for news and merch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are now going to crack on with our review of the second Doctor story, Adam, or should I call you Quark? Quark. What are we reviewing this week? Well, let's take a trip to the planet of dead, shall <laughs> we? Because <laughs> that sounds exciting. It is, of course, the second Doctor story, The Dominators. Uh, you still feeling tired, Doctor? Just a little bit weary, Jamie. You need a good rest, Doctor. Yes, we all do a nice holiday. Well, where do you say this place was again? The Island of Death. Three people have been killed, a spacecraft has landed, and there are robots on that island. Dominators do not seek assistance. They're callous, without pity. What we need, we take. Do you require our people as slaves? Do not defy or question the Dominator. Obey! Bloodthirsty enough, these Dominators are there. Destroy! Destroy! Well, I will just have to stop them then. Primitives will not go unpunished. Nowhere on the entire planet is safe. Now you'll see what happens when the orders of a Dominator are disobeyed. Oh my word! Fuck! Destroy! Guys, it's a a great trailer, that. It's a good one. The DVD trailer. It makes it sound really Mm. exciting. It does, (laughs) yeah. Right, the Dominators came to us in August of 1968, and it was a five-parter. It was written by uh, Marvin Hazeman and Henry Lincoln mm. under the um, sort of joint pseudonym of Norman Ashby. And it was directed by Morris Barry. Yeah. And there's a reason why they initially didn't put their names to it, which we'll come on to a bit later. Um, uh, yes. And it's a second Doctor story. So Troughton uh, with Jamie and Zoe as the TARDIS team. And the plot is relatively simple. Um, the uh, the Doctor and companions land on an island which is supposedly full of uh, deadly radiation due to previous sort of nuclear or atomic weapon testing. Um, and the island is visited now and then by students who study that kind of stuff. Uh, however, prior to them landing... Um, uh, these two very ominous-looking characters known as the Dominators land, soak up all the radiation to use it as energy or fuel, 
And then we have this very, very, what feels like a very, very long story mm. of uh, the Dominators uh, uh, trying to uh, get their ship sorted out um, whilst sort of analysing the inhabitants, quote-unquote, of the island, turning them into slaves and so on. And the Doctor and, and mostly Jamie trying to figure out what their deal is, how to escape, how to defeat them. And then we also have walking suitcases <laughs> known as the Quarks, <laughs> which is a very interesting design for who. Um, yeah. So that's briefly it. Um, yeah. What do you reckon on this one, mate? Well, it's, I mean, it, yeah, it's a five-parter. Um, it should have been a six-parter, but they realized they hadn't got enough really? material to make it last for six parts. You do surprise me. Um, I don't think they really had enough material to make it last for five parts, to be honest. it's, it. I think episode one and episode five are definitely the best. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the most watchable because there's stuff going on. But golly, the episodes in between, they really feel long. I mean, I, I kept looking at the clock constantly through this and I genuinely was like at one point, I was thinking, God, this episode must be getting near the end. I think it was episode... <laughs> three or four mm-hmm. i was thinking come on it must be getting to the end now and i looked at the time counter and it was on 11 minutes and i was like it can't it can't be i was I genuinely like that for a lot of this story i was like no way still got another 14 minutes of this so it's it's hard work i think this one there's there are some nice bits in it Troughton, as usual is lovely in it i wouldn't say he's on his top form but he's he's good in it um but it's also it's a series opener isn't it this is the the first story in pat's second series isn't it it is yeah series six six, yeah so yeah it's a real it's a bit laborious um for for what it is um there is a fairly all right story in there somewhere but it's just not enough to to take us through and golly if it had been a six-parter i think it would have really really suffered because yeah. nothing really happens in between um but it yeah it starts off good enough i mean i love the beginning where they arrive and trout gets his deck chair out and all that stuff and i thought yeah this is classic second doctor stuff um and the tardis team are great i love love zoe and jamie and the doctor together so it all starts off good it all ends good uh, when we get a bit of action going on towards the end but the stuff in the middle Whew, oh boy I was, <laughs> I was looking i was checking that phone a lot i have to be honest with you yeah um yeah, yeah. but that's yeah so that's my feelings on it what about you mick yeah i'm pretty much the same i think this is a common opinion for the dominators um overall i don't mind it i think it's quite a good story i do enjoy quite a few aspects of it it's um it's not a terrible watch but it's not it's not bad you don't you don't watch it and think oh wow this is particularly terrible it's just mm. the uh this the pacing is very slow on this one and yep. the story I, I don't think it needs to be five parts either i think this could be a dare i say it this could be a three-parter i would say yeah yeah let alone four but uh it does and i'm really glad they they dropped the sixth um the episode because there literally just isn't enough story here to fill out i would say five episodes i think it should have been a four Four, four. I think they could have. Yeah. They could have just about got away with four. I think. Um, I'm. I'm pleased that they dropped the six for two reasons. Uh, one, for that re- very <laughs> reason you just said, because it would have really dragged it out. And secondly, because it then gave us an extra episode of the mind robber, which um, because they had to improvise very quickly to fill that that 
you know, this extra episode that they'd suddenly got to make with no budget. Um, I think they came up with a really interesting first episode of The Mind Robber, and The Mind Robber is a story I really like. So I'm glad for that, that they, they decided to cut it to five episodes so that we got an extra episode of The Mind Robber, because I think that certainly works a lot better. Um, I think it's just a shame. I think you said it. It's not it's not terrible, this story. It's definitely watchable, and there's just about enough going on in there to, to keep you going. It's yeah, not yeah. it's not one of those where you just – it's not unwatchable. Um, I think it's just because so much of Pat's stuff is missing. Um, I think they even say this on the com- on the making of. They're like, you know, Very there's good. so much yeah. great stuff missing from Pat's era, but they've got the whole blimmin' lot of this, um, which I'm not complaining about. I wouldn't <laughs> want it to be missing by any means. But, um, but yeah, it's it's not one of Pat's best, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And there was a few people that viewed, you know, even when they were making it at the time, that's what their feelings were as well. So uh, yeah. the, I think the guy you're talking about is Mervyn Hazeman. Yes. And uh, he was like, yeah, it's just such a shame that we've lost so much of Pat's stuff. But, you know, I think he says it with a sense of irony that we've got all of the dominators. Which, <laughs> um, and uh, the guy that played Rago, I think it was Ronald Allen. He he also said, you know, I just didn't feel, you know, it wasn't my best work and it wasn't, you know, wasn't great. And uh, same thing for whoever was the production designer as well, the guy that designed all of the sets and oh, yeah. props and everything. He he said, you know, I just didn't like it at the time. I felt like I couldn't do my best work. I didn't. I wasn't happy with it. And so there is that vibe, you know, that even when they were making it, it just didn't feel like. And you know, for me, the biggest the biggest thing for me is that I never I never really saw Trout and Shine in this one. No, he doesn't. I, no. He's good. Don't get me wrong. He is good. But I never really get that feeling, like especially with even the next story, The Mind Robber. He's amazing in that. Yeah. But for this one, I feel like he's always at sort of 80%. Yep. You absolutely know, like agree. he's there. And, yep. and you're almost waiting for that scene where you're going you're gonna to see him just, you know, give you that brilliance that you know that is there on a, some of the other stories. Mm. But he just doesn't seem to get there, you know. So he's good. But yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the one thing that, maybe would have brought it out of a lower score up to a higher one is mm. if we had a bit more of Troughton doing his typical Troughton thing, but it just seems a bit subdued in this. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. That Yeah, it's that thing of that moment when he shines. I think the only sort of glimmer of that we really get is the beginning when they come out of the TARDIS and he's, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the three of them are in full flow and that that's fun. That's a nice little scene. But I can, yeah, it's weird because you can see that he's trying but you you just even from watching his performance just get the feeling his heart is not in it mm. i think we might have said that about davison recently as well i forget which story it was yeah for, but i get uh, that time flight yeah was it time flight yeah. i get that same feeling with this that pat's trying to to do his thing but just really is thinking oh his heart's not in it. He's not. He's still good in it. But yeah, I, I agree with you. He feels like he's he's sort of running on about eighty percent in this, and I I can't blame him. Um, and I, why why did the guys take their name off it as well? The two writers then. So what was that anything to do with? Was it because they didn't finish it on time or something? Or they didn't like it. Oh, they didn't like yeah, it because they put an initial draft together, mm. and then it just got changed and chopped and all the rest of it. And they were like, "Well, we're not." going to put our names to this because it's it's well they felt at the time it's dreadful 
Mm. And yeah, and they've been changed too much from their original idea, I think, as well, and or something. That's or, right. Yeah. So yeah. I think they had, well, in their opinion, they had a pretty good story, and then they worked up a draft of a script and so on. But then whoever it was, I'm assuming, I think the director had a bit of a hand in it as well, Morris Barry. Yeah. I think he changed a few things as well, and they're very not fond of his <laughs> direction either. Um, no. <laughs> and it just got chopped and changed, and they were like, "Well, no, we're not going to have our names on it because." This is our careers you're talking about. You know, we're not going to have it sort of ruined. Not ruined, but, you know, we're not going to have a sort of little black mark on, you know, a fairly decent career. So, yeah, yeah they came up with the, the joint pseudonym, Norman Ashby, which apparently is the name of their mother-in-laws or father-in-laws or something like that. That's something like that, yeah. yeah. That's right. So... Well- yeah. You just mentioned the director there, actually. I mean, that's that's the thing. They do also say, don't they, in the making of that very nice guy, uh, Morris Barry, but not a particularly – they're not very complimentary about his directing skills. And perhaps that's why the performances, especially from Pat, feel a bit weak because, mate, you know, the director's got to keep you – keep it going and, and maybe they just felt like, oh, it's just, this is just not happening. Yeah. You know, Um because I think they do actually say that, don't they? You know, Morris Barry, lovely guy, but direction wasn't wasn't on top form on this one. That kind of makes sense as well, with yeah. the sort of very slowness and the almost bland sort of visual aspect of the story. Because, oh, it's very bland. Yeah, because and I think it was um, again Ronald Allen who plays one of the dominators, Rago or Rago. Um, he, but you know, he said that same thing. Very nice guy, but just never really spoke out and. Mm. you know never had any original ideas around the story that's it no flair yeah i mean yeah. I, I think he when they were writing the scripts and going through it he was like well you know we should probably change that you know that could do with a tweak but when it came to actually filming them both on set and out on location he was just going through the motions like this is the script point the camera there action thanks cut right next one he didn't yeah. you know some directors some of the you know some of the better directors from you know, that era, people like Dave Maloney um, and some other people, they were very much like, no, 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 I'm not having this. You know, let's go. Because I think TV production back then was very, you had limited time and limited limited opportunity to get it right because time was against you, especially yeah. on set. You know, like we've spoken about before with the BBC being very unionised and if you hadn't got it all done by, what was it, five o'clock or half five, and that was 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. 10 o'clock, Lights yeah. are off. There was no argument. It was like, nope, yeah. we're not going to do it. The lights are going off, we're going home. If you haven't got it, too bad. Mm. So, But there are directors that still put their foot down and, and said, no, you know, we can, you know, I'm not just going to point the camera. You know, we're going to have like a sweeping angle. We're going to do this. And I think, you know, that makes sense to me now after I watched that and various people had said he just didn't have much in the way of sort of, outgoingness mm. with directing people you can see that it, the direction throughout is relatively flat very flat i mean you, you're saying about that i mean i'm thinking yeah if you think of somebody like douglas camfield he's yeah. constantly yeah. trying to find a, a new way to, to film something you know uh, low shots looking up and he, he was one of those that obviously was very enthusiastic to try stuff even when time was against him um, and it really shows yeah in, in terms of that so it, it just does feel very very flat doesn't it and it's funny because we got these location scenes as well in the good old quarry <laughs> and then we cut to studio and i almost feel like well it's great that they actually made the effort to go out on location but i'm, I'm surprised because they don't really 
utilize it much it's just shots of them wandering around it and running and and obviously Troughton didn't go out to location because that person that's supposed to be the doctor whenever they cut to the location oh, yeah. is definitely not Troughton <laughs> in fact there's one bit when we first see him where he's holding his lapels like William Hartnell that's right. as if he's yeah. not watched the show for years he said oh Pat Pat's not coming out of location so we're not going to see you from the front just bung this wig on bung this jacket on and, and just walk out there with Fraser, will you? And he's walking out there holding his lapels. He, you know, he doesn't even know who the Doctor is, I don't think. But, um, but yeah, it's very clearly not Pat, isn't it? Even though we only get quick shots of him. Yeah, it's you not, can tell it's not it's not Pat on location. No. It's somebody else. Yeah, mm. an extra. Yeah, they had two different locations as well, didn't they? They had a they had a quarry and they had a, a, a well another quarry, a more. <laughs> yeah, they went to two quarries at the opposite ends of the uk so they went to one in buckinghamshire and one in maidstone wasn't it something like that it yeah, amazes yeah. me that they go all the way out to these locations for that yeah well i think one was quite you know as you would expect quite rocky mm. stuff and the other one i think was more beachy more fine oh yeah. yeah um but yeah it's 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 difficult isn't it to kind of get into it when you've got sort of fairly bland direction the pacing's very slow and also another thing that has happened with a couple of Troughton stories is that it, some of them do feel quite repetitive. Oh, yeah. Where you have a really cool opening to the story. So episode one is really good and you have a really good sort of finale. So the last episode in whatever story is good. But the middle sections always seem to be either very cat and mousey where the Doctor and typically Jamie has been captured. Mm-hmm. Then they escape. <laughs> then they get captured again. Then they escape, and then they do go and do. You know, it's quite a theme, unfortunately, for Trouton's story, where the middle bit is a bit filler. Yeah, and I, I think this one is a great example of that. Um, unfortunately, the War Games suffers a little bit of that, but somehow it's still entertaining, isn't it? I always find that amazing. War what? Games is ten parts, and yeah, there is a lot of escape and capture, escape and capture, but it manages to be fresh somehow. I, exactly. It. It. I'm t- so the. The story, like the the accompanying story and the other characters, because there's quite a few in the war games. There's quite yeah. a bit more going on. You can forgive it a bit more. Mm. You know, not this our right to forgive it, but you know, you can sort of go with it a bit more. But for this one, because there's nothing else going on, you do have the oh, okay. So, and also you said about the large cast because war games got a massive cast, but this has got a large cast, doesn't it? And I kept thinking all the way through, God, you know, every week really bad with names. I really can't tell you, apart from maybe a couple, anybody's name in this. I kept thinking all the way through. I was really trying to concentrate, thinking, I, I know when we come to record a review of this, you're going to say, what did you think of Kando, for example? And I'd be like, uh, which one was he? Because I haven't got a clue no. um, who they were uh, at all. And I did, honestly, I did try to <laughs> to, to to learn the names this time. But I've, I've made a note of the ones which I thought were good or bad. So I'll, I'll be able to recognize them. <laughs> But there is a lot of people in this, isn't there? Um, and I couldn't tell you who half of them were. I'll be honest with you. Um, even Brian Kant's in it. Do you remember Brian Kant from good old classic school programs in our day? He's oh, in it yes. for a little while. I didn't yeah. recognise him. It's only because it said in the uh, in the thing. But um, but yeah, I really lost track of people's names and stuff in this. Um, there's just one or two that stuck out for me for either good or bad reasons, which will. We'll come on to when we do the cast. Yeah, yeah it's not. Um, yeah, 
Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about story, and then we'll get on to character. Right. So yeah. it it does have a sort of ominous, um, sort of undertone. This story about you know radiation and you know um, I think it's a bit it's, it's a little bit of um, a dig really um, against sort of humans developing weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, you know, because it is a lot you know about atomic weapons and nuclear fallout and stuff like that. And it does, it does sort of throw a little dig, you know, at us as as people. Like, you know, why the need to create such horrific weapons? Because it creates all this harm and you know fallout and stuff. And they just do it in a slightly different way, don't they? So they they sort of replicate what we've done in mm. various in various sort of throughout history when we've created these terrible weapons. They've sort of replicated that, but just on a different planet, essentially. So they yeah. this sort of isolated remote island the uh the people of Dulcis. I mean that's the first few letters of the location, <laughs> you know, it's a telling uh, name. So um so the people of Dulcis um chose this remote island to sort of test their nuclear weapons and as a result the radiation is so high that nobody can go there anymore. So it's only for the dominator's craft that's you know absorbs all the radiation that they can go there. Mm. Um and that that's um that's something that we obviously see a lot throughout Who. There's there's often, especially as we get into some later Doctors like Pertwee's era and Tom Baker's era, yeah. where a lot of their stories are very politically driven. Mm. And I think this one is kind of the same thing, but it's got more of a sort of overarching message to it, isn't it? It's like, you know. It's, it's not a bad premise either, because I quite no. like the fact that Dull Kiss, I can't even <laughs> say without falling say, I quite like the fact that they're a very peaceful race and all that, and then they get these blimmin' dominators, so the absolute opposite. So that's good, but they don't really sort of utilise that no. much. You know, it's kind of mentioned. But, yeah. So yeah. the overarching message is, is good. It's, it, it's basically mm. saying that, you know, atomic and nuclear weapons and stuff are bad. You know, you shouldn't do that. And look at the Dulcans. Is that right? The Dulcans? Um, or the Dulkistians or whatever, um, yeah. you know, they've evolved into a very peaceful race. So there's no need for, for weapons anymore. So the, one of the little, I think it's the scientific shacks or whatever on the island, they find this laser gun that's apparently never used anymore. It's just there as part of a museum and all that stuff. So they've, mm-hmm. they've moved away from violence and war and all that stuff. So it does have a quite a cool sort of message and, and, and that stuff. And they do play on it quite well because it does mm-hmm. creep up in the story frequently throughout yeah um and it's always good when they do that because while doctor who is great sometimes at just you know buggering off into space and dealing with aliens and all that stuff um sometimes you do have a i guess as a responsibility as a writer for television you do have i don't know if responsibility is the right word but you know you do want to sort of reflect your you know a good message especially Mm. because for tv for kids tv because back in the day Doctor Who was very still marketed as a, a children's program, yeah, wasn't it? So yeah, that part of it's pretty good. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I think it's um, especially with the second Doctor, he's very good when it comes to putting across little messages like that, you know, um, mm-hmm. which are important. I always think of that. Which story is it? Is it the, um, the where he says, you know, people spend all their time making beautiful things just for people to come along and smash them up and it's just the way he delivers it and you know he gets that message across in two lines and it's you know it's something that sticks with you i think so it is good to have that yeah and like i said it does add to the story there is a there is a good little story in there it's just it is a little story (laughs) it's just not a big enough story for 
for for this for five episodes. But yeah, the premise is good. It is. Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel about the? Um, yeah. So we spoke briefly about if you look at this from a very very wide angle, the dominators are the baddies. And the Dulcans, I'm sure it's the Dulcans. It is, Dul- yeah. Dulcians, Dulcians, whatever. They're the goodies, essentially. Mm. But we do have a little rift, though. That's very apparent Ooh, early on yeah. between the Dominators, don't we? So yeah. is the other one called Toba? Is it Rago and Toba? I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. So they really don't like each other, do they? So I thought that was a really clever aspect of the story because, yes, if you look at it, if you you know, lean back and look at it overall. It is, you know, good versus bad. Dominators are bad. Dolkins are good. And it's about trying to defeat the baddies. You know, that's the, from a child's perspective, you know. Mm. But they do throw in that nice little, um, very sort of almost confrontational scenes between Rago and Toba. So you have, in sort of hierarchy, you have Rago, don't you, who's the navigator. And then it seems to me like the other guy, Toba, he seems to be a level down. Yeah, and also, but the friction is as well that uh, is Rago. He's the one that's a bit more trigger happy, isn't he? It was just no he's Toba. Ready to... Toba. Oh, was it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure now. I thought it was the other way around, but it could, it could be. But yeah, one of them's a bit more trigger happy, isn't he? He's ready to just shoot anybody that comes near, and the other one's like, no. Don't do that. We need we need them to help. Yeah, you know, that's it's right. more manpower. And that's when they start doing those silly <laughs> tests, isn't it? Like when they capture the Doctor and Jamie. Yeah. Um, and they start doing these sort of the intelligence, intelligence tests. tests. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know. So that's exactly. That I I thought that was a good part of the story because mm. it does flesh out those characters a little bit more. So you do have. Um, yeah, that friction there. And it is Toby, yeah. He's the one that sort of knocks about with a couple of quarks and he's happy just to shout, destroy, destroy. And <laughs> and Toba, uh, Rago's like, no, no, because they're on low power. We need them to help. If you just use up all the power destroying everything, we're going to be screwed. So, Who is in those costumes? Who is in those quark costumes? Kids, <laughs> like wasn't it? Was it kids? Kids, yeah. I suppose it must be, yeah. Yeah. Because there's one bit where one of them gets blown up and there's just two little feet left smoking on the oh that's on, so the, on the quarry and i was like oh who was in there yeah that i happens. suppose it would be they are small aren't they it must be kids yeah yeah that happens a few times with the quarks actually where because you know they fashion those little grenades out of something yeah i can't remember what they're made of now but and they throw them over the with that when they're on the the hills in the quarry they throw them down and yeah it's like almost a cartoony thing isn't it where it's just smoke coming out of the boots <laughs> yeah. it looks so funny and so the quarks is i can't help but feel sorry for them they're supposed to be this deadly I know, you know I don't know. mess with the quarks they're like they're, they they really go to these elaborate ways of trying to destroy them or get past them and i'm thinking you just need to push it over they, they look far too cuddly and they're, they're little arms as well they sort of these little arms that they have that come out they're, they're, they're not very um don't know they're not very well designed i wouldn't say and i couldn't stop thinking of the suitcase thing because you'd mentioned it <laughs> they look like a suitcase well the, um, I, I can understand their design from like um a very menial like little service bot thing that, yeah like if you if you could imagine just one of them and it was in maybe the the whole story like two or three times you just saw it in the background like tinkering with a machine you can understand it but to have like them as the main 
not main characters, but the main sort of threat. Mm. It does seem a bit strange. And uh, there was one scene that had me absolutely cracking up laughing with the quark. It's a bit where um, Joe and some of the other Dolkians had been enslaved. Mm. And they were basically just shifting boulders from one side of their driveway yeah to the other basically or taking boulders from inside and out and uh the acting skills bless them are not that great because very heavy those rocks you can tell they're like polystyrene Mm. and they're you know trying their best to make it look like they're really heavy there's a bit where one of them collapses and he drops the the boulder quote unquote and then there's a quark that turns around and as he walks off the as he walks off set, he's kicking the boulder with his feet and you can hear it as polystyrene sort of scraping along the ground as he's yeah. walking off. And it's little scenes like that in Classic mm. Who that are just so funny. It, and there's nothing they can do about it because it's no. all filmed in one go. The audio is filmed. You can't isolate that little bit of audio easily anyway. So you've just got to accept it. You know, you, you just, just got to carry on. Yeah, it's a bit like Fraser when that one falls out the door. Because if you, <laughs> if you, if you watch it with the commentary uh, with the production <laughs> subtitles, it will tell you which bit it is, and you can hear it go, <laughs> and you can see Fraser's just for a second sort of looks as if should I carry on? You can just see it in his face of like, oh, and then he, and then him and Pat just finish the scene, and it's like a probably another extra thirty seconds to get the scene done. But you can if you just you hear the crash and you just see Fraser just for a split second think, are we? Are we stop it? No. And they just, they just carry on. Just get on with it. And they, like you said, that's what I love about Classic Who. Leave it in. We love all that stuff. Just leave it in, yeah. And there was quite a few moments like that where mm. things would get knocked and bumped. And Oh, there's loads of stuff. There's loads of cam. Um, I noticed the blimmin' microphone shadow is all over the shop is. in the story. It's, yeah. It comes across it. Yeah, it's in it loads. Um, but yeah, there are quite a few little bits like this. I think there's a bit where... I don't know. There was a there was a couple of things I noticed in this, like with the gun and stuff, where things are just going wrong, but they just carry on. But just going back to the quark design, though, even though they are pretty rubbish as a, because they, they were they were designed to be the new toy, like they were going to be the new Daleks. They hoped, and of course that never happened. Nah. But I do like the spiky head design. I will say that you know when we get a close up of the head, and it's got this really weird um, sort of silver mesh panel all yes. around isn't it i quite like that that's quite quite cool but but yeah overall they're just a bit sweet they're, they're too cute they to are, be threatening they're okay but let's be honest they are rubbish they are rubbish uh, I, yeah. mean, I mean they're quite handy when they're firing lasers they can destroy an entire building and stuff mm. they are quite handy to have around but overall they are they're rubbish. quite rubbish and uh, i would imagine that when they were working on uh star wars um, when it's been like almost nine years later, uh, you could tell that one of the droids in Star Wars was very much like this, just without the spiky head. So the oh gonk, is it know, that blue, the dark blue thing robot, the sort of box on legs? Yes, it looks pretty much the same as this, but just yeah, a bit bigger. Yeah, I never thought of that. It's got the same sort of panels almost at the front, and it mm-hmm. hops around on these little feet, and it's you know the one that goes gonk. Yeah, no, oh. I, I like that droid. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's basically a quark just without the spiky head. It is. But, but, but by having this design of having their arms sort of crossed 
and the, at the front, it makes him look sort of angry, doesn't it? It's the body language is terrible. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. constantly stood, you know, I'm sure people know what I'm talking about, but they're, they're constantly stood with their arms crossed like, like I'm doing now, looking really cross mm-hmm. as if they're having a really bad day and do not mess with a quark. Yeah. So quark design, cute, but not scary. Not scary at all. And yeah, for what they're meant to be, quite rubbish. Yeah. Uh, the voices were done quite well for back in the day. Um, a lady called Sheila Grant, she recorded her lines as the quarks really slowly. Mm-hmm. with a really, And she had to take her voice down really low and record really slowly, and then they just sped it up. I'm but, not sure how I feel about the quark voices. I don't really know what voice they need. I, I kept thinking this because I don't particularly, I don't think I like the quark voice, if I'm honest. I find it a bit silly. I um, don't, but it does make up for it in a very, very comedic and rude way. Mm-hmm. Because for most of this story, when you hear the quarks sort of screaming or shouting something, it sounds like they're saying the F word repeatedly. Does it? I noticed that. Oh, come on. You must have. Well, no, actually, that happens with two occasion, um, with two people <laughs> because the quarks, when they're shouting things, it sounds like the F word. And also the actor... Um, <laughs> Kenneth Ives, who plays Toba, the other Dominator, mm. whenever he's shouting for the quarks or he's shouting quark, it sounds like he's saying the F word as well. Quark. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm never going to watch it in the same way again. Honestly, mate, it's so mm. funny. when you when Because it's one of those things that once you hear it, you can't unhear it. Yeah. So you, I've seen, I think this is maybe mm. the third time I've seen this one. And every time I watch it, I cannot take them seriously because I feel like they're just yelling the F word all the time. Especially looking so cross with their arms uh, crossed like that as well. Oh, that's brilliant. I'm never going to hear that same again. And also, Cully, in one scene, calls them quarks. He gets the name wrong, doesn't he, on location. But again, they obviously didn't go back and refilm it. But he actually says, look out for the quarks. I was who's the quarks? (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you what, the pressure of getting everything right in one go for Classic Who. Yeah. You don't have that now. They can have 50 bloody takes, can't they? That's it. Yeah. No luxury. No. But that is funny, though. I'll have to look out for that. If, I don't know when I'll watch this again. It won't be for a while, but um, I will look out for that. And I'll never hear it the same again. Mm. Sonic Screwdriver. Yes. Just want to mention that. It does uh, pop up. It and does. it's a little bit more useful in this one. It almost turns into like a little mini ray gun. It does. It's yeah. Sort of, yeah, it's quite powerful in this. Yeah, I think it had been. Is this the third time we've. Is it the third time we've seen it or the. The second, I oh, think. Oh, just the second, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, and uh, now it's got um, because uh, it is all it it is a bit of a Swiss Army knife in this one, which modern Doctor Who has sort of fallen foul of a few times, but Mm-mm. it does help him literally tunnel through rock. It was a bit silly, that, the, wasn't uh, it? Yeah. yeah, I mean that was a. However, I mean funny, in the last it, yeah. story it was just done doing a screw, and everyone was like, "Wow!" And in this one, it's but yeah. It disintegrates a whole wall. Yeah. It's cool, though, that they they brought the Sonic into it a little bit more because, mm. you know, if they'd have left it just very tucked away in a pocket and just once in a blue moon, maybe it wouldn't have the significance it does today. But uh, I did it, wake up at that point, I must admit, because it did. I was so glad to see it because I was really starting to drift <laughs> at this point. And then he's like, oh, the Sonic screwdriver. I was like, oh, yes, forgot that was in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a however funny that last scene is. It's so funny. So in the story, towards the end, the the dominators are essentially going to destroy the island. So they've, in I think it's in episode 
midway through episode four or at the start of five, they start drilling really deep down into the yeah. island so they can drop this bomb and, you know, I've done with it. And uh, so the, the doctor tunnels through underneath so, you know, he can basically see up the, the shaft that they've drilled. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny where they've, they drop the bomb and the doctor catches it at the bottom and he's like, oh, <laughs> and, and then you see the extra, which is supposed to be trout and legging across the beach in this very funny clown like manner. Cause he's yeah. holding a, you know, this very powerful bomb and he just tucks it in by the crack, doesn't he? Yeah. He just, yeah. He just literally just rolls it in the ship. Doesn't he? Yeah. He goes, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a nice moment. That's a, again, that's Pat bringing the story to life in it when he's going, yeah. Oh, Oh no. No. Like doing, his, doing his second doctor stuff. That's brilliant. That bit. And um, he does, he does have a couple of scenes where he's, he does that classic. Oh, yeah. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> this is great, Trouton. Yeah. Let's talk about some other characters. Yeah. So, there are a lot in this, aren't there? So there's two main groups, isn't there? Apart mm-hmm. from the Doctor and so on and the Dominators. We have the um we have the students that are have just landed on the island to do their research. And that consists of a very old person who I can't mm. remember the name, a young person, a young guy. He's very camp, yeah, and a young lady who I think at the time Fraser Hines very very much liked. I think any lady at the time Fraser Hines yeah, very true. much likes. Yeah. He's a lad, and he? he was a lad, yeah. And so we have those guys, and one of the things that's very cool, and we do see a lot in Who actually, is this real shouting at the TV moments with stubborn ignorant characters oh i put here pompous idiots in brackets they're so pompous yeah so where you have essentially the well you have zoe who's saying and the doctor saying look this is the situation bad people must tell someone and they're Mm. just very like no what are you talking about can't be and i'm yeah Yeah. i'm I'm sitting there saying you stupid old beep (laughs) just uh, you know so you do have that come on just sort it out because but then again we wouldn't have much story because at that point in episode one if he did just say oh crap okay gets on the blower sorts it out that would be the end of it yeah so we can't really resolve the story Mm -hmm. like you know as easy as that but so those guys they were okay uh the old the old guy he's the one that collapses with the boulder and the quark sort of plays keepy uppy on the way out but um (laughs) yeah they were okay i suppose they were just a bit Oh, they were, they, I just put they were dull and, and the the one that I've highlighted out was uh, he's sort of like the leader guy or something or the most important or the most pompous um, Senex you know this guy yeah that, that rings director Senex yeah he sort of like seems to be the one that's I think he's the one you're saying is like no 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 we can't have any of that he's rubbish Walter uh, Fitzgerald I mean he just seems to be <laughs> No offence, but he seems to be on his last legs. He's got no gusto to his <laughs> performance at all. And he, he completely gets his lines wrong in the first scene. Oh, yeah, um, he does. You know yeah. the guy I mean? It's yep. like he's got the sweat back. He's like, oh, can't possibly be happening here and all that. And he's, oh, it's just no go to him at all. I, was, I thought he was particularly rubbish. I'm um, not sure that's director Senex. Oh well, whoever, um, yeah, you might be. I might be getting them mixed up, but the the one that I've written down. Oh, is it? I kept waiting. For, yeah, I kept waiting for him to say his name so I could highlight him. 
So it is definitely Senex I'm on about. Right, yes. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, there are a few like him, and they're e- all equally as bad. It's just that, um, yeah, he, he particularly stood out as being a bit a bit uh, rubbish in his performance, if you like. Um, but uh, the, the only one, I mean, out of all the cast, the only one that has any <laughs> slight saving grace for me is uh, Arthur Cox, who plays Cully. Oh, Cully, right. Um, because at least he's giving something in his performance, whereas I feel like the others have just wandered on set, said their lines and walked off set. Mm-hmm. But Cully... To be fair to him, uh, Arthur Cox does seem to be the only one that's trying to do something uh, and is even remotely interested. I probably wouldn't care because <laughs> I've got no affiliation with him at all. Whereas with Cully, I quite liked him. And, you know, when he sprains his ankle going up the cliff or whatever he does, I was like, oh, poor Cully. <laughs> so he's the only one that stands out to me in the whole supporting cast, to be honest with you. Um, apart from our regulars, obviously, but yeah, the rest I thought were as dull as dishwater. And I do feel sorry for them in terms of their costumes as well, because that, yeah, that can't have helped, can it? I mean, when I think, again, Arthur Cox says in the making of, doesn't he, when he walked in and saw what he was going to be wearing, he was like, are you having a laugh? <laughs> it's just like, it's, it a looks dress, like a, it's a dress <laughs> made out of a curtain. Well, they essentially like a, are. Yeah, you know, it is awful. I do feel sorry for them. Yes, I think Having the costume. To try and act in them. Yeah, the <laughs> costume designers. They sometimes, on Classic Who, they do tend to. So when you've got like an alien planet, and they try and envision in their head, like what would they wear? You know, what would this <laughs> race of people wear? They often just go quite feminine. So you have like when we yeah. reviewed, um, what was it, the Curse of Peladon. Uh, who was the, the, the king? Oh, it was uh, David Troughton, wasn't it? Yeah, he's uh, he's basically got hot pants on, mm-hmm. some knee-high boots and a... And a, and a, a big belt with a, a buckle. Woman's blouse. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you just think, why? And, and it's the same with this. You know, all the guys are wearing, a, you know, effectively dresses. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's quite bizarre. I mean, it's there's no right or wrong for it, obviously. If, it, if they're an alien race on an alien planet... You know, you can't be right or wrong. It's just like, whoa. You know. Would you call it a sort of a, a, is it like a toga? It's like a toga dress wrapped in a curtain. And it's a just, it's just weird, isn't it? It definitely has shades of like Roman yeah. times. Because when, when the, the survey people, when they get enslaved to move polystyrene boulders around, mm-hmm. they don't have the dress bit, the curtainy bit, do they? They have no, like no, sandals right, no. and togas, falling off. Yeah. so they look quite Romany. Mm. But what yeah. about the the Dominators costumes? I mean, they're on the other end of the scale, they are bizarre, aren't they? With these big, I mean, they're better. I'll give them that. They're better than <laughs> the, they're better than the uh, curtains. But they've got this like massive hunchback shoulders, haven't they? They look really, really uncomfortable to wear. They do. They seem mm. like it. Almost seems like. You know, let, let's find some obscure materials and some obscure stuff and we'll just bung it on. And yeah. that will be the alien sorted. Uh, yeah. But they do. I mean, it does give them big stature. I mean, I think it does make them stand out. I wouldn't say they're particularly bad in design because they, they do. No. They are eye catching. Whereas the other costumes, I just thought, oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah. But at least the Dominators look interesting. Yeah. With their big shoulder pads. Yeah, and I think Ronald Allen and Kenneth Ives were really tall anyway. 
they were quite tall actors. So mm. when you put the, the massive shoulder pads on as well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. quickly, we have the we have the um, the the council members back in Dolkis, wherever the capital is. Can't remember what it's mm-hmm. called now. Uh, those guys, very argumentative, very British, very no, 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 no. Yeah, they were okay. One of them has a well, they only have a few lines really, but not too bad, I suppose, for what they were needed for. Yeah, they're all right. All right. What's the name of the city then? They do go to it a couple of times because the oh, in that weird capsule thing. Yeah, you know the that little, weird space rocket or whatever. The it is. little Flash Gordon. Oh, Rocket. that's exactly what I wrote down. Did I was going to say yeah. that, yeah. I've put here, look, model shots are very Flash Gordon. They are, um, yeah. But a lot of our listeners might not know what we mean, but I knew you'd know, because they used to be, what, was it a 50s show, 60s? It, it was a 50s show, yeah. Yeah, black yeah. and white Flash Gordon. Um, I think it must have been American. It I was, certainly, yeah. That's how I remember it. I mean, it used to have loads of these little model shots that are very, very similar, I would say, to the model shots we get in this. And I... I will say this, I quite like them, even though they look terrible. They've got a like a, a sort of nostalgic charm, I think, the model shots in this. Like the UFO is very, the flying saucer or whatever is very, very sort of 50s, 60s. It is, um, yeah. But I quite like it, yeah. It does. It has shades of, especially the little capsule that takes them yeah, to and from the, capsule, the island. Yeah, um, It's almost mm-hmm. like if you gave, like, if I gave my son a washing up liquid bottle, <laughs> and a couple of bits and said right make a rocket ship you know that's what it's that very typical that's what you'd get rocket ship kid to kitty kind of kind of design but it is very flash gordon though for sure very yeah uh let's talk about the dominators themselves so those two guys i really liked their performances not overall throughout the entire story but i really liked the interaction between the two of them i when they have their little spats and they're arguing you know and th- the uh the the top guy rago he's like always telling him to shut up yeah every yeah. time he's like mid sentence he's like silence <laughs> and you know you'll do as i say and the other guy you can see he's absolutely seething inside he's like and then they have this proper not a proper fight but he's like it's not uncommon for superiors to be replaced because they lose vision and so like we said earlier you've got a tug of war between the guy wanting to just blow the crap out of everything yeah. and the other guy who's like, nope, we must stay on mission. We need the power. Ignore these puny, you know, unintelligent beings. Let's just crack on. So I, I really like their performances when they're fighting and they've got that friction. They're, they're actually, yeah, they are pretty decent in it, actually. To be fair to them, they do they do Silence. give a good performance. But yeah, especially Ronald, yeah. Alan as Rago. Because <laughs> um, he's the guy from... Crossroads, isn't it? As soon as he walks on, I was like, doom, 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 I'm sure he is. I yeah, I'm sure I recognize him. Well, nor, nor did I, of course, but um, <laughs> I'm sure I recognized him for Crossroads. Um, again, most of our listeners won't even know what that is, but um, but yeah, I, I did think those two were quite good um, in terms of, if anything, maybe they should have beefed up their part and given them a bit more to do because they might have helped save the five parts if you know what i mean if we'd had a bit more of them because they do spend a lot of time just going back and forth to the spaceship and having a bit of an argument now and again and 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 doing their silly tests and and that so but they are quite good i think actually these two guys these two actors they they do give a good performance i think they are and it goes back to what i was saying earlier about 
especially with the Troughton stories, mm. there is a lot of repetitiveness oh, a lot. going on. Yeah. So we do have this same argument between these two. Yeah. It happens maybe four or five times over the five parts. So when they're having that argument, you've, it's very deja vu. It's like, oh, we've, we saw this argument 20 minutes ago, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. So there is that. But it is, they are good. And I like the way they played them as well. They, especially Rago, he never looks them in the eye. You notice mm. that very well, maybe no, a few I didn't times, notice, but, but he's mm. very, um, he, he's very stiff. You know, he walks around very, there's no fluidity to how he moves or anything. He's no, maybe that's quite to cold with the huge arm shoulder mm. pads, but um, he's very staring off into space when he's delivering lines and stuff. So mm-hmm. I thought they were quite good. They were good, yeah, because yeah. I said earlier the supporting cast were, were pretty bad, but uh, I exclude those two. Oh, yes. I, I did think yeah. they were quite good in this, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jamie and Zoe. I really liked um, Jamie in this. Uh, I know he doesn't get an awful lot to do, but I thought Fraser Hines was quite, um, considering what he says in the making of where he really didn't think it was a particularly good script, I thought he he was good in it. Um yeah, I liked him in this. As I said, he doesn't get a lot to do. Poor old Wendy, I think, suffers <laughs> slightly worse because she doesn't really get anything to do, does she? She spends most of her time with... Um, is it Cully she's with? Or who's she with? She's, she's with Cully, yeah. She, she sort of gets separated from from the Doctor and Jamie for a lot of the story, um, and she doesn't get a lot to do. Uh, her poor old dress uh, <laughs> is falling apart by the end of episode three. I don't know if you noticed, but she's suddenly got a great big safety pin holding it together oh, at she... one point. I think from when the set, yeah, well, there's a cliffhanger where the set sort of falls on her. And I think by the next episode, she's <laughs> they're holding it together with pins. So um, there's nothing wrong with Wendy Pabry in this. She's perfectly fine, but she just doesn't get a lot to do. But I thought <laughs> Jamie was fun. Um, and him and Pat together are always great. So even though the intelligence scene is silly. Um, they're quite fun together, like when they jump off the console, and there's a bit of banter between the two of them, as we always get. So, so that's nice. Um, but yeah, I thought, if anything, I thought Fraser Hines was was quite good in this story. Yes, I agree. Same in his performance. Yeah, same thoughts for me. I think um, Zoe doesn't have a great deal no. to do, but uh, old Jamie, yep, he's still quite brash. You know, still. Uh, in people's faces, ready for a fight, and uh, it's down to... I just... Yeah. I just like the character. Yeah, I like, I like the character, Jamie McCrimmon, and he, he mentions the old red coats and that again at yeah. one point, doesn't he, or something. And I don't know, I just found him fun when he was on screen in this. I thought he was good. And yeah. interestingly, actually, talking about the character of Jamie, um, it's a shame that they didn't finish up the, the series with... The, so the two guys that wrote it, Mm. Um, oh yeah they if you watch the again if you watch the special features they had this really cool story explained where they go back to jamie's homeland at his time and they Mm. were going to because at this point um yeah i'm pretty sure at this point fraser hines was talking about leaving the show and you know going off so they wanted his departure story to be a real proper jamie story and they were going to go to scotland properly and do all that but that got canned yeah, it? it's a shame. That would have been really good for him to have a decent send-off story. They were going to bring it full circle, weren't they? And it was all to do with the fallout, wasn't it? With the rights to the quarks, and it all kicked off between the writers and the BBC at one point. Um, yeah. And I think, I can't remember how 
or why the ins and outs of it. But basically, they were told they would never write for the BBC again. Is that right? That's pretty much it. Yeah. The um, so it never happened. The two guys who were doing yeah they mm. because of all this fallout between trademarks and who was allowed to use what and I think the BBC just had enough of all the court cases that were coming up. You know, <laughs> trademark infriction and infringement. Sorry, and all that stuff. They they just basically said no. So we're just going to, you guys can just bugger off. Nothing Do your to, own thing. Yeah. yeah. So that's a shame because they would have, you know, I think they had the story worked out already. What how, Sounds like what it. What they were yeah. going to do. So, yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, before we move on to the doctor, I just want to mention another really funny scene with Cully mm. where he collapses under the weight of the... The boulder. The cardboard bit of set. Do you remember that bit? Oh, where, no, that. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> where Jamie's yeah. looking through the, the gap <laughs> in the wall. And uh, all you can hear is Cully like Aah. he's trying to hold it on him, isn't he? And it just falls off. He's like, oh, it's literally a bit. If you can imagine a piece of cardboard that's maybe like a couple of cereal boxes that have been glued, like <laughs> cut into shape and glued together. And bless him, he's trying his hardest to make it look like it's made of steel, you know, and yeah. the structures on top of him. But it's just flapping around, and you gotta love it. Yeah, I noticed that bit as well. Yeah, yeah I think so, as it says in the script, he's supposed to be like trapped under it and it li- literally falls off him within seconds, doesn't it? He's yeah. like, oh. Yeah, it's yeah. flapping around. Bless yeah. him. And Mr. Troughton. Troughton, yes. We have a strange one to review him in this because mm-hmm. he's good. Don't get me wrong. He's he's always good as the Doctor. I've got no complaints with with him, but I think, as I mentioned at the beginning, he never seems to get going. No, he doesn't. What, is it? Do you sort of agree with that? And it, you know, no, I do. I think you summed it up perfectly when you said about it firing on eighty percent. And it is strange because it's his first, the first story of the second, his second series. So you'd think he'd be well in the swing, swing of things now, and 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 sort of, um, yeah, you'd have thought at the start of his series he'd be very on top of his game. Um, but I don't think it's Troughton's fault. I will have to say because he's still really, really nice you know his performance is still really nice in it um and still very good and there are these odd moments of brilliance from Charlton mm-hmm. um but there's just it's just not he's just not he's not firing on all cylinders quite um but i put it more down to the direction and the script and i think he is trying very hard but it just yeah it's just not quite his best uh, no. in this I have to agree. Yeah. I mean, I blame the director. I mean, I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but um, Mm -hmm. I do blame the director for this one. I think Maurice Barry just didn't bring the best out of certain characters, and Mm -hmm. notably Troughton, which is a real shame because if you look back to the Moon Base Mm -hmm. and Tomb of the Cybermen, they were actually quite well directed, especially Tomb of the Cybermen. I quite like the... um, the direction yeah. for that so he you can tell that he's a very able director and he's you know he can get a good performance out of people but for some reason on this particular story it's very flat and not just with Troughton but some of the other um, especially the supporting cast scenes as well mm. they're very very laborious to watch through because there's just no energy there's no uh, it's hard to explain but unfortunately the person where you really want to shine and to sort of carry the story along a little bit if it's a bit dull is the doctor mm. and i just don't think that barry got the most out of trout with this one it's just a shame no. because yeah it could have really done with him really firing 100 percent and really entertaining and even if you think oh the story's 
you know, I'm struggling to get through it. At least when Troughton's on the screen, you're like, oh, this more than makes up for it. But yeah, because yeah, there's some, there's quite a bit where he's together with um, Jamie, and and normally the two of them really spark off each other, and a and a, you know, and it's surprising we don't get a bit more from the two of them together in mm-hmm. terms of the performance. Like there's a bit where they're in that capsule and Troughton's on his head at one point with wires sticking out. Do you remember this? There's some oh, yeah. scenes that yeah. I think could have been really good, but for whatever reason, just they almost feel like they're about the fifth or eighth take, but they obviously aren't. It's just that the energy isn't there um, yeah. in, in some yeah. of those scenes that we, that we normally get. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just, I think they both struggled a bit on this story to be yeah. fair, but they're still good. I mean, the best, the, the best bit of Troughton for me is the start of the story when they come out of the TARDIS and they think they're having a holiday. Um, that's for me, that's, yeah. that's where we get to see the best of Troughton and possibly the end bit that you mentioned when he's got the bomb and he's like, Oh, Oh no, doing all that, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and throwing the, the bomb in the ship and all that. That's really funny, by the way, when the bomb just rolls towards them, <laughs> they turn around and it's like, Oh my God, how did that get in here? And the ship blows out. That's really funny. But, but, uh, Troughton, yeah, good, but, but not his best, not his finest hour, maybe. No, not his finest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to speak too unfondly of Morris Barry either because uh, mm-hmm. he had a very small part in Blake 7, so I don't want to get told off by, by you. All right. <laughs> I don't want to get Adam's bad books there. Um, right. Anything you want to mention before we crack on with, oh, uh, the music. They didn't mm. have a, a proper composer on board, did they? So they enlisted the powers of the Radiophonic Workshop. So the soundtrack is very special effecty it's just a series of special effects noises really isn't it yeah it's funny actually because the only note that i haven't mentioned is about a special effect which is the tardis when it lands it makes a really funny i think what's wrong with that it sounds like they've got the wrong sound effect it sounds like um a real sluggish landing sound is probably the only way i can describe it it's as if there's something wrong with the tardis um, and I just thought that was odd because I was thinking, well, what, what was the story before? Is there something wrong with the TARDIS? No, and I, th- I don't think there is because it's the first story in the series. So I think it's just a case of they put this, the the wrong sound effect or a different sound effect or, or something. Did you notice it? It sort of goes, it's like it's struggling to land. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I thought the same. It's it's definitely, a, a they've, they've either tried something new and people have gone, no, 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 that's not working. Or it's an mm-hmm. error because it's definitely a, we, we don't hear it before or after this story. So it's definitely a bit. Yeah, bit it weird. sounds like something wrong with the TARDIS. Yeah. yeah. But that's the only other note I've got, really. I mean, I, yeah, I didn't notice any music or, or that in it particularly. Nothing stood out to me. No. Um, or sound effects, really. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really notice them. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the best sound effect would be when they discover the the laser weapon in the museum. We have this really loud, typical oh, yeah. sort of 60s sci-fi sound and that's it really. Yeah. The rest of it's quite minimal. Yeah. Right. Scores, my good friend. I think scores. it's you to go first. It is me this week. Um, I'm going to go very middle of the road. I'm sort of stuck between a four and a five, really. Uh, I'll go for five. I don't think it's terrible. So I'll go middle. I'll go five, five out of 10. Okay. Cool. I will go with a 4.5. Oh, right. I thought you might have gone lower. Yeah, I thought you were going to come in with like a three or something for a minute there. Yes, I will go for 4.5 because mm. I do feel like there is a decent story in there. Yeah. Uh, it's just um, 
the, the pacing and the directions just really lets it down massively. Yep. And also, yep. I think it would have been a five, but I just needed Troughton to be a bit more into it. You know, if Troughton was, mm. you know, you know, really, really into it, then this may have been a five or a six. There is a six. I think the cliffhanger to the ending of episode four, I think it is, Troughton has to hold this really serious face for what feels like forever. Oh, yeah. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah. It zooms in on it and they don't do it in the recap. Well, you see it for like, huh, they really cut it short in the recap. But in the, yeah, in the ending, did you notice that the camera zooms in and I kept thinking, when are they going to cut? Because he's just stood there looking really concerned for like mm-hmm. for ages. Um, oh, and I must just quickly mention, I loved the, <laughs> we get, the, the reveal of the quarks is saved, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right up until the, it's like the, the big reveal of episode one. And I thought, oh, what a disappointment. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's supposed to be this massive reveal, isn't it? They're like kept hidden all the way through episode one. You're thinking, oh, what's this? You, can, you know, if you imagine watching this for the first time, you've never seen the quarks. But like they wouldn't have done back in the day. And we finally get the big reveal at the end of episode one of the quarks. And I was like, oh. And it's like, yeah, oh. Oh, oh, oh dear. It's them. <laughs> That's what they look like. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think even audiences back in the day would have been too impressed with that big reveal, if I'm honest. But nah. there we go. There we go. What did our listeners think? Uh, mm. Over on Twitter, we had a, uh, a few tweets flying around between uh, Crinoid Podcast and Dave Prober. Uh, Dave says, I quite like the Dominators. And then he puts ducks. Mm. So ducking down. And then Crinoid says... Uh, I've never seen White get so much flack. And then he says, uh, it's not the best of Troughton, but it isn't terrible. At worst, it's dull in places. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, guys. Yep. It's not bad. It's just a bit dull in certain places. Let's do an audio review. Uh, we had one this week. This is from Loopy Lou. Command accepted. <laughs> I thought I hadn't seen this one, but some of it seems familiar. Perhaps I started watching it and got bored. <laughs> I saw it through this time, though. I love that the male Dulcians are wearing dresses. Yay! So nothing much happens in the first part. It starts to get slightly exciting in part two for about two minutes. Third part in and the Doctor is still not really doing anything. Part four and what exactly has the Doctor been doing? Nothing! Halfway through the last part and the Doctor actually starts to take some action after Jamie is the one who comes up with a plan. And it was a very silly ending in my opinion. Honestly, after watching this, I'm not sure I like the second Doctor at all. <gasps> I will give him a chance and watch more of his stuff at some point. To think this was going to be a six-part story before they edited it down, blimey, I don't think I would have survived. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to give this a 3.5 out of 10. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, Lou, not a fan. Um, actually, one thing I would say then, if she's going to watch another you know, give the second doctor another chance. Maybe watch the next story, the mind robber. Cause I think Pat's fantastic in that. Yes. Totally on form. Um, considering, uh, all the budget restraints of having to make an episode that wasn't planned with no set. So, um, you, you've probably seen it, Lou, but uh, yeah, watch the next story, which is the mind robber. Um, if you haven't seen it, cause he's, he's wonderful in that. And it's an interesting, it's a good one as well. So it's really good, the mind robber. I'd recommend that. Might not be Pat's best story, but yeah, just as it's the next story that follows on from this one with all the lava and all that. Yeah, watch that one. He's good in that. Yes. Uh, over on Facebook, 
Adam Pink says, The Dominators is a rather average episode. Uh, not too bad, but not great either. Um, Trout and his excellent as always, as well as Fraser Hines and Wendy Padbury, 5.5. Oh, okay. Madam. Yeah. Uh, Nick, uh, my good friend Nick Gill says, love all Trouton stories and can watch him over and over again, but all of the existing complete Trouton stories in the archives, I wouldn't, I would consign this to the furnace if <laughs> I meant that we could have a better story in the archives instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, though, which um, that would be a much bigger debate. Uh, it's not bad. It's not great either. The best thing about it, uh, this is the complete and it's in the archives. And consequently, that's also the worst thing too. Mm. Winky yeah. face. So kind of, yeah, I know what you mean there, Nick. Uh, Jeff Waddle says, probably only two or three episodes worth of a story. Uh, even Trout and Jamie aren't enough to save this one. They have their moments, but it's so bland, they might as well have called the planet Dull instead of Dulkis. Mm. Um, the inhabitants of the planet are so wet, you couldn't care less about them, and it seems as if the same cliffhanger is all the time. Uh, he gives it a three out of ten. The cliffhangers are weak, aren't they? they I didn't are. even know what happened at the end of episode... Three, I think it was. Do you know there's a bit where a quark just shoots at a wall and then it ends? And I was like, what? What? I didn't even know what was going on in one of the cliffhangers. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Mullen. Just when, just when I thought the Crotons was the most pedestrian episode, along comes the Dominators with their incredibly camp shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of needless shouting and very little action from the titular Dominators. They should be sued under the Trades Description Act. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the quarks are equally useless. Uh, and it's a mystery why they turned up time and time again in the comics. Uh, yeah. Troughton is great, but it's obvious that he was exhausted by the workload. Uh, three out of ten. Mm, yeah. Uh, Danny Brown saw this recently, and, and I knew it would be dull, but the first couple of episodes were good, but after that I couldn't get into it. The story's good, uh, but average direction. and Silly monsters make it a slow romp. Six out of ten. Mm, I agree. Joe Sweeney, this is an underrated story from the Troughton era. Uh, there wasn't a lot going on. Most of the time I found the pacing slow. Uh, Dominators and Quarks are boring to watch, but what keeps me entertained on a bad episode like this is the Doctor, and Troughton is great as always, even though he has not been given a good story. Mm. Jamie and Zoe are good, however, the ending did left, leave a bit... Um, however, the ending did uh, leave a bit of a good cliffhanger. Overall, okay episode, but not something I would watch again. Four out of ten. Oh, right. Um yeah, so the ending is good, actually, the very last bit. So it's quite comical where they realise that the, uh, you know, they need to scarper quite quickly because mm. the, 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 the island is is going nuts. It's erupting, isn't it? Yeah, so they need Whatever. to scarper. Yeah. So they're, sort of, they're sort of basking in the glory. And then it's like, well, no, we need to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy Satine says, uh, one of my favourite TARDIS trios, uh, Trout and Jamie and Zoe, arrive on the planet hoping to have a holiday. Alas, like every other time the Doctor tries to go on holiday and end up in trouble, uh, the planet is occupied by peaceful people and unfortunately being somewhat overtaken by some bullies known as the Dominators. Uh, mm. I really like them. Definitely not one of the best Second Doctor's episodes. Zoe was great. Jamie was great. The setting, Second Doctor was great as per usual. Uh, I grew to like Cully, uh, the yeah. bloke that Zoe got put in the travel pod with, and the old guy who was teaching the students. Aside from them, everything else was pretty abysmal. Just one question. Why are the quarks so previous to the Dominators? Previous. Previous? Previous. I never completely understood that. So it's four out of ten. Yeah, four out of ten. Yeah, it's. It, it, I agree. Uh, last few on here, Charlie Turner. Um, it's been ages since I commented on here. Um, so He the, normally comments on mine, I think is what yeah. he means. Yeah. Uh, so, the Dominators. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. It's boring. 
<laughs> um, uh, I'd give it a three out of ten. The only things I consider good are the Doctor Jamie and Zoe, which are my yeah. favourite TARDIS duo of all time. He, re- he references the Doctor and Jamie. Yeah. Um, right, Maria. Uh, I always get this wrong. I'm sure. Maria Kalatichu. Kalatichow. She put a huge review on here, so I can't read the whole lot out. But she says, I came to this story during my Trout and Watch a few weeks ago, and I can't say that it's without any redeeming features, but realising that the script came from the same team, Mervyn Hazeman and Harry Lincoln, who wrote The Abominable Snowman in A Web of Fear, um, two absolutely top-notch stories in Series 5, it's strange. It's a strange entry compared to some of the other stories for Troughton's last series. Uh, it's so different in tone and development to what they had done previously. Uh, watching the special features on a DVD, it did seem as it was a troubled writing process, which is a shame. Mm. She goes on to say, good bits of Doctor using a Sonic as a blowtorch <laughs> and the Doctor <laughs> and Jamie playing it's being stupid with Rago with the intelligence test. Uh, I didn't mind um, at all the ongoing power struggle argument. It was fairly entertaining. Uh, a larger than life, Ronald Allen and uh, Rago, whose delicious deep tones... Um, uh, and his apprentice, Toba. And good to see some great um, threat from the quarks using the molecular ray to pin the Daltians to the wall. Yeah. Uh, she also liked Kali's relationship with Zoe. Uh, things that she doesn't like, the story takes a while to get going. They only started to get into it in episode three when the pace picked up a bit. If this story was meant to be a commentary of unilateralism or pacifism uh, the council played their re- their roles really well and it seemed literally horizontal relaxing in their chairs uh, it felt like an absence of momentum in those scenes yeah uh, which is very true uh, the premise that the presence of only two dominators on the planet looks set to destroy the whole thing lacked credibility especially when the first shot of the story is showing a fleet of ships in space why didn't they just call for backup yeah, true. Uh, there are bits of story I like, mainly the regulars, but it's not on par with classic series five. So 5.5. 5. 5. 5.5, yeah. About middle of the road. Yeah, Joseph Howarth. It's very boring, 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 boring. <laughs> uh, if I could then, I would have made my review nothing but me saying boring over and over again, as there's nothing to say about the Dominators. The Dol- the Dolkins, barring Carly, are absolutely are absolute wimps who dress <laughs> up in ballerina tutus and are so pathetic Um They'd probably need their mummies to help cross the road without fear for lives. The quarks are silly with their chipmunk voices and they look like they're made of Lego. The dominators, well, it's rather difficult to take them seriously when they have shoulder pads that would give MC Hammer a run for his money. (laughs) Uh, He goes on to say, the the only good thing about this one is the TARDIS crew and at least the Doctor and Jamie have some funny moments in the story, but it isn't enough to make me watch it again. Four out of ten. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, uh, Zach Jenkins says, I remember loving the Quarks when I was younger. Troutin is brilliant as always. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. Okay. Um, you had a few on the Geek's Handbag, right? I had a couple on the old Geek's Handbag, yeah. Um, Mike, or is it Mick? I'm never sure, actually. You have to let me know. Uh, Mick Willis-Best says, "Love." he just basically says he loves this story. So, okay. so yeah, which is good, because we've, we've had very middle-of-the-road comments so far, but... Mick or Mike um, loves it. Patrick Sherwood says, uh, Dominate as well. It's not one of the best stories. I don't like it. He's going to give it a 5.5 out of 10. Uh-huh. Callum Johnson, quite a slow story. Could easily have been a four-parter instead of a five. However, the cast were pretty good. And he loves the design of the quarks. 
So he gives it a 6.5 out of 10. Oh, cool. And finally, Jack uh, Wilderspin says, uh, found this one quite dull, to be honest. I love Troughton and he gives a fantastic performance as always, but I felt the story slowed down often and found myself checking my watch throughout. The quarks aren't that menacing, but the performances from the other cast members were great, but not the greatest stories of the 60s era. So Jack gives it a 5 out of 10. 5, okay. A 5, yeah. So I think mainly middle of the road. It seems to be yeah. mostly, yeah. We had one one there that loved it, but mostly middle of the road. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so I probably wouldn't say it's a recommended trout and watch, um, you know, because it's not going to, especially if you're a new viewer. To no, I, when I wouldn't, like when we say how much we love Troughton as the doctor, if someone was to say to me, well, which story should I watch to get into Troughton? I, I definitely wouldn't recommend this one. Um, no. But uh, I don't think it's awful. I don't think it's absolutely unwatchable. I definitely think it's it's okay, but it's just not one I would reach for that often, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, next week, obviously we're going back to oh, yes. modern era Doctor Who. We have mm. got, um, is it Eccleston? Yeah. It is. God, what are we going to do next week, buddy? So yeah, it's about time. We haven't uh, we haven't had a ninth Doctor story for quite a while because um, obviously we've only got a few left to do. So we're trying to space them out a bit now. Um, so the ninth Doctor story we're doing next week will be the Empty Child, uh, which is obviously a two parter. We've only got two parters left. So Empty Child, and then we'll do a classic uh, the following week, and then we will do the second part, the Doctor dances the following week. So next week empty child very much looking forward to that one mm, yes because i'll be honest i haven't seen this two-parter in a while really yeah i, I had a, an eccleston watch through that was a few months back though mm. and i remember yeah but wow so the empty child next week look out for the facebook post and twitter and so on we'd love to hear your views and yeah. thoughts on that one i'm really looking forward to to seeing a, the ninth doctor actually fantastic yep. Fantastic. Right. Yep. And I think we're going to do there for one thirty. Alrighty. Thank you so much, guys, for sticking with us. I know it's been uh, an a uh, quite longish show i suppose considering we're talking about the dominators mm. hope you haven't fallen asleep in much the same way that you did actually watching the dominators the episode, yeah. but it's been great talking through uh, this trout and story and some of the merch as well if you're if you're into john levine and sergeant benton and all that unit spin-off stuff then remember to pre-order the wartime chronicles mm. from amazon and we're also really excited for the Robert Harrop stuff coming up. I'm very excited about that. Very Some excited. coming up. Yeah. Thank you all so much for sending in your thoughts and your feelings and reviews, etc. For the Dominators. Etc. It's, it's, et <laughs> it's, it's always the best bit of the show when we hear what you guys think to our review stories and uh, chatting through the community about our story. So next week, The Empty Child going to spend some time with the ninth doctor mr eccleston so uh we really look forward to hearing your thoughts on that one mm. head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to this episode again and all the previous shows on there 
Uh, plus, you can link off to our social stuff. Uh, do a search for us in iTunes. Just search for the Big Blue Box podcast, and uh, you can give us a subscribe so you never miss a sh- miss a show when it goes out on Fridays. And if you are an iTunes listener, if you could spare a minute to give us a review, that would also be fantastic. Yeah, helps us helps us out a lot. That does. It does indeed. Mm. Remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geeks Handbag. Yeah, have a look at it. Have a look. So you just need Down to do a search on YouTube and Facebook for the Geeks Handbag. So many good videos on there. Mm. You will Go not and see my latest one of me crying over the Titan figures <laughs> oh. I got. Yeah, you can get lost watching Adam's videos. I, I honestly spend like you know forty five minutes has gone by and I'm like, huh? Oh, I've watched a bunch of uh, Geeks Handbag stuff. Yeah, you must you must get a new one. You must start filming again soon soon just need something to review just need some more products Indeed. to review yeah um i just must quickly say before the music runs out uh that wartime chronicles um is available from galaxy4.co.uk and it's a lot cheaper it's 9.99 on there right. so if you are right. a benton fan and you want it get it from those guys i've used them a lot and i tell you they're really good uh, galaxy 4 so yeah it's cheaper and the service is good so nice one Get it from them. Get it from them. So how much is that? Nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine from them. Yeah. Cool. They right. got some other ones as well. Let's do this yeah. in silence. My name's right, Gary. Cool. Oh, has the music run out? It's gone. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> My name's Gary. My name's Adam. Oh, hold on. Let's let's end with let's end end with uh, at least a, a sound effect of some sort. Ready? My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember. And... And...